Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you for the next couple hours, getting you ready for big one tonight. Jets hosting the Vegas Golden Knights for the second consecutive Tuesday night as uh, the team is back for a big, big homestand with their slim playoff hopes still alive, but needing to put together wins and fast. Um, Of course, everyone's head still spinning from a pretty wild day yesterday at the deadline. Even a few trades not entirely finished, and we'll get to that, a bizarre, uh, <laughs> bizarre circumstance with the visitors tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Evgeny Dadanoff trade that is held up right now. We'll talk about that um, as well. Scott Cullen is going to join us. Always love hooking up with Scott. We'll get his take on the landscape of the National Hockey League post-trade deadline. And Jeff Hamilton's coming up a little later on. We'll also hear from Winnipeg Jets head coach Dave Lowry on uh, the uh, the t- look of the team post-deadline, the departure of Andrew Kopp, keeping Paul Stastny, and of course how this lineup's going to look tonight without Adam Lowry, who will be out tonight and will be out Thursday against the Ottawa Senators, but should be able to come back to the lineup on Friday when the Jets host Patrick Line and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, as we get in, want to thank all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get to it. Welcome Michael Remus in. And uh, wow, what a crazy show yesterday, Remo. We went long. I basically slept nonstop from the end of the show until this morning. Um, that one took its toll, but um, glad we did it. And um, man, amazing numbers. You can just tell how much interest there is in this hockey team and in the trade deadline. And um, you know, some really interesting moves from the Winnipeg Jets, and I'm quite excited about this game tonight to see how things look, uh, especially with Paul Stastny, you know, filling another hole in the lineup, uh, moving into Adam Lowry's spot on that third-line center role with no cop and no Lowry for the first time in seemingly forever for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, Cop and Lowry, usually a staple there on that third line, not not there. And there was actually a trade after we went off, uh, went off and I got to thank everyone. Uh, what a great stream it was. Yesterday, we had like 600 people in here, you know, peaking, uh, I think mid 600s, you know, 4,500 views on the on the video. I know people are downloading the podcast today and listening to it, wanting to relive the magic of <laughs> us waiting around an hour to find out about the Andrew Cop return. But um, <laughs> Nelson Noje got traded as well. And he's, you know, been on, on this program, spent time with the Jets and Look, if he can get a spot with the Kings in the NHL, maybe there's, I don't know what their depth defensemen are, are but you know, maybe he could be a capable NHL player. So uh, we did have that trade. But, well, I uh, mean, even even in Ontario, I mean, the fact of yeah. the matter is, for the nose, he's been such a good soldier for this organization. Um, you know, with the defensemen that the Manitoba Moose have, and, you know, with a healthy core here in Winnipeg, even with Billy Hanela doing some press box duty as of late, um, you know, there hadn't been minutes really for Nelson Noje. So, um, you know, I think it was the right thing for the organization to do, give him a spot, an opportunity where he can go and play. Um, because of course the focus on the farm right now, for the Manitoba Moose is coming up in the Calder Cup playoffs and they'll be looking to give big significant minutes to this next generation of 
presumed Jets defensemen, including Dylan Sandberg and Johnny Kovacevic and mm-hmm. Declan Chisholm, who did get hurt on the weekend. And of course, Billy Hainala, who was returned to the club so he could be on the clear day roster, was recalled today on an emergency basis. Um, so he's available to the Winnipeg Jets if needed. But most importantly, he'll be able to play for the Manitoba Moose in the Calder Cup playoffs. Yes. So there, there we go with, with that. And as for tonight, Huss, uh, do you want to bring up the lines for tonight's game? I don't know if there's anything else. Let, 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 let's do that right off the bat, because as we mentioned, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a different look on all three top lines. I mean, uh, you lose Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry's out on the COVID protocol and you need to figure some things out. So Paul Stastny is going to be playing on the second line with the two new members of the team, um, the returning Mason Appleton and Zach Sanford, who was acquired yesterday for a fifth-round pick. That's going to be the third line for the Winnipeg Jets. And if Gendy Svechnikov gets another opportunity to get back up there with Dubois and Connor, I thought maybe they'd just throw Svechnikov on with Shifley and Wheeler. Uh, but we're going to get Schwielers, Nick Ehlers, Mark Shifley, and Blake Wheeler as, uh, as one of the units. And Svech coming with Connor and Dubois. Now, I'll, I will say this. Long term, I love the idea of Ehlers playing with Connor and Dubois. I envision that as the Jets' top line next year and into the future. But for right now, considering the results that Svech has had with those guys, uh, I don't necessarily disagree at all with it. And hopefully Ehlers can maybe be a boost to Shifley and Wheeler, who have certainly, you know, had some moments as of late. Um, but, you know, it's sort of been just so uh, uh, up and down, up and down. So uh, we'll see what happens with that group tonight. You know what Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to bring. And Kyle Connor has been as consistent a goal scorer as anyone in the National Hockey League. But uh, the intrigue for me is Paul Stasty moving back to center, how Mason Appleton looks back in a Winnipeg Jet jersey, and the newcomer Zach Sanford, all 6'4 of him, playing along with Stas and Appleton on that third line. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to be watching out for tonight. And for those of you in your with your programs, uh, Mason Appleton was given 22 back. You know, we can we can rest, you know, knowing that he's going to have 22. Don't have to learn what his new number is going to be. Uh, Austin Pagansky had that before. Zach Sanford rocking number 13. And Sanford, you know, a big guy. You know, maybe that's something the team needed. And you know, look at the squad. I think since Nikolai Ehlers has returned, they've looked a lot better. Though, you know, there's sometimes when, you know, they have extended stretches where it's not as great. Like in, you know, first period against Vegas last Tuesday and second period against Boston. So I'm looking forward to this Vegas rematch tonight as the Jets, you know, try to make that playoff push. And, you know, if you wanted to put a, I was reading, you know, some of the columns in the in the papers, Free Press Sun, you know, Mike McIntyre and Paul Friesen saying, you know, Chevy can't really just, they're kind of stuck in the middle here, the Jets. You know, they're on the verge of this playoff spot, and here they are selling Andrew Kopp for uh, two second-round picks, you know, one of them conditional, but also trading a fifth uh, for Stanford and hanging on to Paul Stasny. So um, I'm not sure what this... I'm not sure I'm what's going to happen here with the Jets. I, I mean, odds are they're not going to make the playoffs, but um, they haven't. they definitely haven't given up, and they're going to try and... Hopefully they uh, can get on a win streak. If this, if they do, I mean, this is the week. You have Vegas here, who's you know been on a tough stretch. Ottawa as well, one of the bottom teams, and then Columbus Friday. So I think it's possible to uh, go on a, a three-game winning streak, which they haven't done in a while. And once you get three, you can try to rattle off a couple more. So uh, I am, I'm, I agree with you on the lines, though. Put Svechnikov back with Connor Dubois. That has worked. Ehlers deserves top minutes. You put him there, and Stasny's pretty versatile. He can play just about 
just about anywhere. And uh, one other thing on Stasi, I, I guess Shevelday mentioned yesterday, they never really considered trading him. I was kind of surprised, but, you know, they seemed like they weren't getting a lot of calls, a lot of offers. And Lowry hinted today that, you know, Andrew Kopp was traded because it was clear he wasn't going to sign here. It seemed Paul Stasny not as clear that he won't be resigning here next year. And, and that was just maybe something you could take from his comments today. Yeah, well, I, and I, I kind of agree. Listen, I don't think that, I mean, if anyone's sour that the Jets didn't trade Paul Stasny because there might have been like a fourth rounder out there. I mean, mm-hmm. well, listen, I'm not there. I mean, he's he's too important to this team right now. And if you, I mean, I get there are a lot of people that say, hey, just white flag it, quit rest of the season, whatever, get a better draft pick. I don't think you can do that. Um, I don't think the people that are buying tickets to this, to watch the team, um, you know, would react very well to that. I think people are understanding of the Andrew Kopp situation. Um, and, you know, there was a demand for it. And he certainly came out and provided, you know, the Winnipeg Jets with great seven years. And, you know, coming back, you have Morgan Barron and two second round picks, a second rounder that could turn into a first rounder. If the Rangers win a couple rounds in the playoffs, I mean, I think they got some good return, but I also think it was important for Sheveldayoff to do what he did, um, and that was to try to supplement that trade, giving up less, but to you know keep this team hopefully in the mix and competitive for the next little while. There's a big opportunity for the Jets this week. Vegas is decimated right now, and even more so with uh, you know a couple guys, including Zach Whitecloud, being unavailable because of getting on the COVID list yesterday. You have the Ottawa Senators, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Arizona Coyotes just on this homestand, and then a trip to Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Um, I'm not sure. And again, we all know that the Jets have not been, shall we say, uh, very good at taking care of business with teams below them in the standings so far this year. But it's a pretty good opportunity um, you know, to get on a bit of a run if they can manage to take care of business at home. And make things interesting going down the uh, going down the stretch. I and mean, we all know that once you get to the playoffs, the regular season doesn't matter. And we've seen it over and over again. No matter what Daryl Sutter says, that and he could very well be right that whoever is lucky enough to get into that eighth spot in the second wild card is going to be around for eight days against the Colorado Avalanche. But like I always say, that's why they play the games, folks. So there still is a lot of hockey left to be played, and um, it's important to Jets for both for the organization, for the team, for the players in the room, and for the fans. Go out and try and win these games. Um, entertain people and, you know, if anything, start building something moving into next season, even if they do fall short of the inevitable goal. So, um, listen, I'm excited about this game tonight, this next little stretch. And, you know, I think Shevel Dave did a good job yesterday, to be honest. I mean, I think going back to the night before when Mason Appleton came back to Winnipeg for a fourth rounder, um, I thought that was excellent value. We'll see about Zach Sanford. I mean, that's an interesting play considering he's a UFA, but again, the cost of a fifth rounder, not too much. And, you know, the two second rounders coming back for cop, I think will be nice pieces to have, especially considering what they had to give up for Brandon Dillon and everything I read on Morgan Barron saying he's a pretty nice prospect to potentially be a middle to bottom six player in the league room. Yeah. And one thing I was looking at as well has, um, cap friendly has a pretty nice chart here where they show the jets draft picks. So, you know, they didn't have a second-round pick. They traded away last year. Well, they got two now, and one can turn into a first if the Rangers, uh, the Rangers, you know, win a, you know, get to the Eastern Final. But they traded away the third round. You know, they replaced their third-round pick. Here, I'll bring it. I'll bring it up here. They replaced their third-round pick. They uh, had a traded away a fourth-round pick in the Stasny deal. Well, they got that back. The Nathan Smith trade, and then the fifth-round pick they traded in the cop 
or they traded away uh, for Sanford. So they pretty much have, you know, their net even here with all their picks in this upcoming draft. So, um, you know, you're trying to get Sanford. You know, maybe he has, maybe he comes in, he plays well, and pulls a DeMello coming from Ottawa and, uh, and re-signs here. So I am intrigued about what Appleton, one thing, you know, I was listening to availability. Murat pointed out, Dave Lowry, Appleton, uh, we've t- been talking about how uh, they need some right shots. Well, there he is, uh, yet another right shot. So they go, what, three in the lineup now with Shafley, Wheeler, and, and uh, Appleton. So I think that could help, you know, on one of the uh, power play units. Although uh, Ken was posting the, the power play units. Let me bring those. I don't, hold, hold on. I'll, get, I'll get, get that up here. The first unit is, is the same. The, uh, I'll pull that up. Sorry. You want to take over here while I just bring this up? Yeah, okay. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I, I, I'm running out of stuff. I just wanted to bring that, bring it up. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, Ehlers, Pionk, Schmidt, Stasny, and Sanford net front on power play two. Shafley, oh. Morrissey, Connor, Dubois, and the slot, and Wheeler net front. So, so Appleton not on the power play. They're going to use Sanford's big body, and people are commenting in uh, chat here. You know, he scored four goals in a game once. I don't know if you knew that about Zach Sanford, so... <laughs> There you go. And did you say Wheeler net front on the power play? Yes. I guess Shifley more. Yeah, I mean, that's where, where he's been. I guess that's what Ken called it. I mean, he's kind of been at the side of the net, right? Yeah, well, it, exactly. Either that, but not necessarily running things through him on the half fall, which has been, you know, at times, I mean, that's been a common, common formation mm-hmm. that we've seen for the Jets power play. Um, one other thing I just did want to bring up about Morgan Barron. Uh, because he was the prospect that I mean, obviously we you know this happens live yesterday. We don't know who these guys are, um, but you know, leaning on some people with some, you know, that cover the AHL very closely. Our old friend Patrick Williams, um, you know, said love the Morgan Barron move for the Jets. Excellent two way player, smart Hartford coaching staff loved him. And then our friend Jacob Stoller, who um, put uh, put together some of the player cards, sort of like inspired by the Jay Fresh look. Um, says he's a 6'4", physical center, excellent at face-offs, and stealthily skilled, AHL-level, lethal net front on the power play, and has played 13 games for the NHL as well. And uh, actually, I'll just t- I'll, I'll retweet that right now. If you want to check my sure. Twitter feed, it'll be there for it. You can, uh, you can see that. But, um, you know, as I said, this is somewhat about the future. And I think that was a great move to get Mason Appleton back. Important to know that he's an RFA, so... You have to assume that by reacquiring Appleton, you know, he'll be here for a few more years as well. And as far as Zach Sanford goes, Remus, I think we'll start out tonight. And hey, he's got to be pretty happy coming to a team like Winnipeg. He's going to be playing with some good players, getting some opportunity to be on one of the power play units. I mean, maybe that's exactly what a guy needs to think that maybe he's got a future here beyond this season. Yeah, I, you know, we talked about Appleton yesterday. I really like the move. You know, it doesn't cost you a lot and you bring him in and you know that he fits here. You know that he knows the coaching staff. You have that that relationship. And Sheveldayoff did say yesterday during their availability that they had tried bringing him back earlier this season, but for whatever reason, they weren't able to. And, you know, at the deadline, Vegas is trading away seemingly everyone for draft picks, and Appleton was able to be had. As for Morgan Barron, one thing we also should mention, went to Cornell with Jeff Malata. And if him and Jeff Malata on the moose, has, uh, I think the shower narrative is in play as they were their former teammates. So uh, I think if, when you can bring in, you see, seeing it all the time in the NFL, bringing in guys who played together in college. You know, we had Cop and Truba here, now reunited in in New York. I don't know if you saw the Instagram post that Truba made 
uh, of them together. They're like they're like besties. So you know if you can recreate that here, um, a lot better, and I'm all for that. Did you call it the shower narrative? Yeah, shower. It's big in the uh, fantasy football community. The shower <laughs> narrative. They went to college <laughs> together, showered together. You can't, you know, when you're in college, uh, your bros, you do everything together. You know, you, you can't recreate that relation, that type of relationship when you're older. So, uh, yes, it's referred to as a as the shower narrative. Interesting. Well, you learn something new mm-hmm. every day here on Winnipeg Sports yeah. Talk. It's, it's, really, it's really important um, in terms of the, chemistry. The other story, and this is wild, and maybe we'll get Scott Cullen's take on this in just a few minutes, is uh, this Dadanoff trade from Vegas to Anaheim. So very late, and this might have actually happened. I mean, it was one of those trades that was in the queue for two hours after, you know, after the actual deadline yesterday, where Genny Dadanoff was traded to Anaheim for John Moore and Ryan Kessler's contract. And this was, uh, I mean, we've known that Vegas has had serious salary cap issues the entire season and are really screwed right now and needed to figure something out. So they did it by moving Dadanoff. Now, I'm just going to read you some tweets from Elliot Friedman from yesterday, who's sort of been going through all this. There were some rumors that the deal wasn't in the queue before three, which meant Moore and Dadanoff would not have been eligible to play this season. That's not correct. They can play. But here's the key. On Dadanov's no trade, apparently he had a 10-team no trade list that apparently wasn't officially submitted, thereby making him eligible to be moved anywhere else. It's infrequent, but it does happen. The most known recent case was Patrick Berland. This is now officially in dispute. Now, he then followed it up with, the trade is now an NHL-NHLPA issue. Player is adamant the no-trade list was filed on time. Dadanov was traded to Vegas on July 28th. The claim is that the paperwork was filed before that. So the questions are, is there documentation or was it d- disclosed on the July trade call when he was traded from the Ottawa Senators to the Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, Darren Drager added in, I don't believe the timing of the filing is the issue. The problem is that Ottawa didn't disclose it on the trade call when Dadanov was moved to Vegas. So essentially, he had a 10-team no-trade list, but Vegas wasn't on it, so it didn't come up when Ottawa traded him to Vegas, and they claimed that they didn't know about it, despite the fact that you or I could go into Cap Friendly and see that that was the term of it. So... Here's the latest on it from Elliot Friedman from an hour ago. Latest on Dadanov. Somehow on trade call from Ottawa to Vegas, a team Dadanov could not block, the Golden Knights and NHL were led to believe protection had expired or not filed properly. But there's correspondence providing no trade paperwork was filed correctly and on time June 30th. So we'll see how this is adjudicated. Feel for Dadanov who did nothing wrong here and is caught in a tough spot. Uh, bottom line here is Dadanov won't be here with the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. He is out right now. And if this trade is reversed or, you know, it, it's not allowed to go through, Kelly McCrimmon has a massive headache on his hands when they want to bring Mark Stone, Pacioretty, and Robin Lehner off of IR back onto the club because of where they're at with the salary cap. What a mess. And, uh, of course, Ottawa snickering in the background that they've somehow masterminded this whole debacle for Vegas. Yeah, I'm not sure what to think here. And I see a lot of people wondering, Huss, like why would 
Dadunov put Anaheim on his no trade list. I mean, it seems kind of crazy to have a guy who willingly sign a contract in Ottawa, but put Anaheim on his no trade list. But the speculation is, you know, taxes, state taxes in California, pretty high for a high income earner like Evgeny Dadunov, and he'd probably be losing a lot of money if he were to play in California as opposed to Vegas, where there is no state taxes uh, on income tax. So that is one thing to consider. But I mean, it's amazing how you and I can look at Cap Friendly and know that he has a no trade clause and Vegas seemingly unaware. Or I think there's speculation that Vegas just doesn't play by the rules. They don't care. You know, they'll trade. You sign a contract with them like Nate Schmidt and then they'll trade you the next year. They don't care. And, you know, they they just wanted to get out of the salary cap situation they're in and no regard for Evgeny Dadunov's, uh, you know, no trade clause and just did the deal. And, you know, it's like, you know what? He's just going to accept whatever we want. So this is, I agree, tough spot for Evgeny Dadunov, who's trying to play. It seemed like he did all the right stuff. I don't know. They're trying to throw someone under the bus here. And I think Ottawa is the easy target for the league to uh, to just drive over. Well, I tell you what, I'm just here for all the Twitter replies to these reports of like Pierre Dorian uh, doing the fist bump in the uh, in the press box for uh, for Ottawa while they sit back laughing at what uh, at what they've created. Anyways, we'll get to more of that coming up. I'm really looking forward to our next conversation. Scott Cullen is going to join us in just a second. Remember, if you can grab Dave Lowry while we're talking to Scott, we can listen to the coach afterwards. Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on in the program as well. Um, hey, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market have another customer appreciation day coming up on Friday, March 25th. You'll be able to save 10% on everything in the store with a few exceptions. And that is in addition to current sale prices. Of course, Vita Health Fresh Market has great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and some delicious and healthy lunch options like Vita Market salads, soup, sandwiches, at more at the Vita Health Fresh Market Grab and Go Deli. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, online at myvita.ca with a fully shoppable website. Check it out and make sure you pop by on Friday for their customer appreciation day. Um, man, summer is just around the corner. Been seeing a lot of people talking about weddings and grads, and you know that our friends over at F Apparel are the go-to people for custom-made suits and a full line of custom clothing for any occasion including suits dress shirts golf pants untucked dress shirts shoes ties accessories and more every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great and f's custom-made suits start at just 400 dollars. they are the top choice in winnipeg for wedding and grad suits you got a wedding party talk to them about a great deal for your entire wedding party if you've got a high school graduate, bring your valid ID down to F Apparel. They'll give you a free shirt and tie along with your suit. You can get fully outfitted starting at just $400. F Apparel, they're at 190 Smith Street downtown and online at fephapparel.com. And hey, our friends at Culligan Water continue to be the go-to people for all things water in Winnipeg and Manitoba. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, Whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs, Culligan has got you covered. Visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 on the horn, or you can check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right, lots to get to. Coming out of the trade deadline, the landscape of the National Hockey League, and it is an absolute pleasure to welcome our old friend, 
Scott Cullen back to Winnipeg Sports Talk, sports betting analyst at SBR Sports Picks, a contributor to McKean's Hockey, and an all-around great guy. Scott, how you been first off? It's great to connect again. I know it's been a crazy few years for all of us. Uh, you're staying busy, doing a bunch of, I mean, listen, I was fired up when I knew you were starting to do some sports betting stuff because your analysis and uh, your outlook was perfectly fit for that. But uh, fill us in on what you've got going on these days. Yeah, right now I'm doing um, a lot with sports book review. Uh, and uh, we're, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm putting out NHL betting notes every day um, for them, but then we're also, um, you know, the the NFL offseason, we've got a ton of quarterback movement. So there's a lot to uh, react to there. And, and so that that is kind of what is, you know, taking up mo- most of my days, as you mentioned, I'm doing some uh, writing with McKean's to kind of keep fantasy hockey, uh, you know, on my radar and, and stay on top of those things. But um, Sportsbook Review is kind of where where I'm on, on the day to day. That's where I'm putting most of my work. And uh, uh, it's it's been fascinating. Like, you know, I, I, as you know, I, I was doing fantasy at TSN for so many years. Um, and and I and I had said to them before, I said, if the sports betting market had kind of been there when I started doing fantasy, I would have just as happily started into sports betting, but the marketplace just wasn't the same, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of changes in the past uh, few years uh, in that regard. So now the time mm-hmm. seems to be uh, a little more open to to doing the the sports betting uh, content, and and it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's required a little shift in my thinking sometimes, but still lots of fun. Well, it's hilarious you say that because Ringus and I have had these conversations for years. I mean, if uh... If our old employers had a clue about where things were going to begin with, um, you know, we may, they, maybe they would have made some different decisions at a certain point and been more on top of this as opposed to playing catch up like they've been. But I yes. digress. That's a, that's another conversation entirely. <laughs> um, trade deadline was busy yesterday. There was lots going on. There's some clear contenders right now. There's a ton of teams that have somewhat been also rans, but I mean, from, from your perspective, Scott, just, you know, with the landscape of the national hockey league, um, what do you make of how the National Hockey League is today on Tuesday as opposed to the last couple of weeks with all this movement leading into uh, the buzzer? Well, I, I suppose it wasn't a huge surprise that, you know, some teams got the jump on yesterday that they didn't, you know, wait till the deadline to start making their moves. But to me, I always kind of consider the, you know, the last few days, that's all part of the deadline. Um, you know, for for whatever official numbers they want to put down, like I, I, the trades that happen on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all still kind of, you know, fall into that realm for me. Uh, and so I have to, you know, you have to give the Florida Panthers credit. You know, they're having they're having a a real fantastic season and decided that they're not going to wait around to find out, you know, just you know how how good they can be. They're they're going all all in for it. And um, you know, Claude, Claude Giroux, the the fact that you can have a, a player like that who kind of gets to dictate where he's going and he he decides he wants to come to your team. Well, that's that's a pretty great. Uh, boost for them and and you know from the from the sports betting markets I think that was the move that might have um, shifted the most um, is that uh, because the the Panthers they were already among the favorites but you know the the odds kind of shifted to to now that they're basically number two behind the the Colorado Avalanche which you know I, I I'm not sure I think that that the shift might've been a little aggressive. Like I closure is a really good player and the Panthers are having a great season. I still don't know that I would, I would count out the Tampa Bay lightning um, in, in the way that the, the pricing is right. I mean, the 
obviously no one is is saying the Tampa Bay Lightning can't win, but I just when you see the 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 price for the the Panthers in in the plus five fifty or plus six hundred to win the cup, and then for the Lightning it's plus nine hundred or a thousand. Well, to, to me that that looks like the um, you know the market has maybe responded a little too much uh, in favor of the Panthers, but there's there's justification for it because you know they they made aggressive moves to try and improve and you have to give them some credit for that well the funny thing is is tampa did as well i mean uh, what was it two first rounders and a couple top prospects to brandon hagel and that was a fascinating deal because on paper you're like brandon hagel i mean hey, he's had a good season he's got you yeah. know 21 goals but i mean you can't look at these deals just based on what's going in and out i mean you got to go over to cap friendly too and check out oh, oh. two more years at 1.5 million dollars i mean this, in a lot of ways, to me, was like the Blake Coleman trade 2.0, yep. where you bring a guy in, you've got a bit of term on the contract, you know you're giving some assets, but you've got a good, solid player that can produce in your top nine for two more seasons and hopefully win you another ring. Yeah, and I think from Tampa Bay's perspective is that they knew coming into this season that the third line was going to be a question mark. I mean, they just lost the entire third line uh, in the offseason. And I think they were fine with, look, we have a, a top six that is really great, and so, you know, we can count on that to carry us through most of the way. If we need to address the third line as, as the deadline comes around, well, then we can. And it, I think that's how they how they played it. Uh, and so a guy like Hegel, not only does that address the third line, you know, for the rest of this season, but as you say, it's multiple years um, that he's still under contract. And so I would expect that he's going to be uh, a piece for them, you know, for, for a few more years at least. Now, the... The thing that I'm, I'm sure the Tampa Bay Lightning are aware, that, you know, he, he's kind of riding a high shooting percentage uh, to this point in the season. I don't know that, you know, you want to expect Brandon Hagel to keep scoring at this rate, but they also don't need him to keep scoring at this rate. You know, if he comes in and gives, you know, chips in some offense and plays a solid third line for them, the, the Lightning will be happy. And that's, you know, the fact that they brought in him and Nick Paul uh, and, you you know, you have Corey Perry uh, potentially to play on the other side. I think you've got... Uh, maybe it's not a, quite as strong as the third line the Lightning had last year, but it's a pretty reasonable uh, line to to roll out there as they try and win a third straight Stanley Cup. No doubt about it. Scott Cullen with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, just uh, looking at the National Hockey League post-trade deadline. You know, I was on with Chris Meany, uh, I guess, at the, at the All-Star break, and we were talking about futures and looking at the boards. And, you know, I, I, in the East, I thought the best value was on the Carolina Hurricanes at 12 to 1. And a big part yep. of that was the fact that the division that they're in, I mean, I think their path, and like, there's nothing easy in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And don't take yeah. this the wrong way, folks, if you're a <laughs> Ranger fan or a Penguin fan. But I mean, you look at those three teams in the Atlantic, and you've got Florida and you've got Tampa. And I mean, the Leafs are going to be an underdog in the first round, and they're going to finish fifth or sixth overall in the league. I mean, yeah. no violins here in the middle of the country for the <laughs> Leafs I'll tell you that but I mean it is what it is yeah and then on the other side we were looking at it and I said you know Calgary at the time was 23 to 1 to win the cup and I said you know Calgary is a team they've got goaltending they certainly have talent they're playing the way their coach wants them to play and this coach knows a thing or two about winning cups and I think they rattled off nine in a row or something after that they made a couple interesting additions um, like Colorado is and absolutely should be the clear-cut favor in the West. I get that. But yeah. what do you think about the Flames right now as a team that could be a very, very tough out and and potentially be the team that ruins the party in Denver? Yeah, I think I think they're as good a bet as any coming out of the West um to, to knock off uh the Avalanche because not only like when you talk about those odds changing, like it's just been a, a steady 
thing. There hasn't been any big splash along the way. Like, yes, the Tyler Toffoli trade was a nice pickup for them. And grabbing Kelly Yarncroke last week is a nice pickup. But it's just kind of been this steady, well, the Flames keep winning and the odds just kind of keep uh, moving down. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think they've, you know, they, they've earned uh, this credit. You know, the, at the start of the year, I think, I think people weren't entirely sure what to expect. Uh, I, I think, you know, given Sutter's track record, I think you could have expected that, okay, they're going to play a, a a more structured game, that they're going to be a more reliable team. Well, when you kind of pair that with a goaltender who can play at a really high level and, and you know, your top line that, that was kind of, you know, disappointing generally last year, well, now they're not. Now, now their top line might be the best line in hockey this season. Uh, and so you kind of put all those things together and it's, well, yes, they're going to be able to uh, contend with just about anybody. And uh, if somebody's going to knock off the avalanche, Calgary is as good a bet as any. And, and I, you know, when you're talking about how, you know, some teams have an easier path, when you look at the way things are in the Pacific division, it sure looks like Calgary has uh, an easier path just because some of those, you know, the teams that are scrambling for playoff spots in the West, um, particularly in the Pacific, they don't look like the the most daunting challenge in the same way that they do uh, in, you know, certainly in the Atlantic where, uh, you know, we, we talked about the top three, but I, I would not be sleeping on Boston right now either because, uh, you know, if they can get Patrice Bergeron healthy, I know he's missed the last few games here, but uh, if, if Bergeron is healthy, he's having a monster season and uh, they just added Hampus Lindholm from Anaheim. Uh, I, I think that that top four in the Atlantic is, is you know, just a, a murderer's row. Well, and the funny thing is, it's just the way the NHL playoffs are set up is that Boston could easily be going across to the other division based on, you know, being the one yeah, or yeah. two wild card, depending on who finishes first. Um, staying, though, out in the West, um, what do you think about the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, this team, you want to talk about ups and downs. I mean, they had that incredible start. They bottomed out, fired the coach. Now it seems like they're sort of back together. The goaltending has been the one thing. If the goaltending has been decent, they've been winning games. When it sucked, they have done nothing <laughs> right now. But, I mean, Ken Holland didn't add anything to it. They're still going with Smith and Koskin and going forward. Can they outscore their problems? And, um, you know, do you think, first of all, that they'll make the playoffs? And if they get in there, how dangerous of a team will they be, considering they do have two of the best guys on the planet? Yeah, I think it, it's almost all to goaltending, I think. Uh, with Edmonton, and, and I mean, you can say that I guess to some degree about almost every team. Uh, but in the in the case of the Oilers, I think the downside is just it's so massive um, that you know if you have a goalie who goes out and stops eighty nine percent of your shots or something, well, yes, you you can you can lose a playoff series pretty easily, even if you outplay the other team, if that's the case. And uh, but you know, Miko Koskinen has played better uh, recently. And uh, look, if, if you you saw the Oilers play. Uh, Colorado last night. I mean, they they gave they gave the Avalanche all they could handle. Uh, now it's it's one game, but when you see a game like that, you can see the the kind of the upside of the Oilers. That yeah, there, there's possibility here that um, you know that they they've played better uh, since the coaching change. They Vander Kane's been a, a productive addition for them, and mm-hmm. and you know so now you cross your fingers and hope that you have a goaltending answer because uh, if you get adequate goaltending, well then yes, I I think. I mean, I do think they're going to make the playoffs. They'll, they'll cobble their way in somehow. Um, but, you know, you get adequate goaltending, you might have have a chance to, you know, win a round or two. I'm, I'm not sure I look at the roster that they that they have and think, yes, they go beyond that. But, you know, if you had Edmonton Oilers happen to win a round or two, I think that they can be satisfied that that's at least a step in the right direction based on where they've been previous years. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, I mean, considering what, uh, considering what happened last year in the uh, four-game sweep for the Jets, 
which wasn't all, I mean, those games were super close. Three games yeah. were overtime. One was triple OT. I mean, it was the closest sweep you'll ever see. Um, but I do wonder about the fragility of the Oilers. Like, I mean, if they get into the playoffs and all of a sudden Mike Smith has a disastrous game or something, whether yeah. it's almost over before it started. Well, there are a lot of similarities with the Toronto Maple Leafs here where I'm, you know, where I am situated is, is that, you know, the Maple Leafs, you look at their roster and now I, I look at the Leafs roster and think that they're in a, a little bit better shape than uh, the Oilers, but they're also kind of dependent on, on goaltending here that it had been going so great for them for the first half of the season that it looked like, you know, all, all systems were a go uh, for Toronto, but then, you know, Jack Campbell has kind of, kind of fallen off and uh, Peter Mrazek hasn't, hasn't been able to stop anything for them. And, you know, they're, they're kind of, crossing their fingers and hoping right now with Eric Falgren. But, you know, I, I think if, if the Maple Leafs happen to get a good goal thing, well, sure, they could go on, on a run too, but they're in the, in the same boat with the Oilers where it's like, if you win a round or two, that has to be considered success based on what this franchise has done. You know, you, you've had a talented team for several years already and it hasn't amounted to anything. So could you at least get, you know, through the first round, maybe through the second round, and then we'll worry about whether, you know, whether you're quite living up to your potential or not. Uh, Scott Collins with us. Scott, um, thoughts on the Jets this season? Um, there were high hopes for this club. I mean, the defense got made over. Some pretty significant commitments to, you know, Nate mm -hmm. Schmidt and Brendan Dillon coming in. That's part of the reason why we saw Andrew Kopp available yesterday at the trade deadline is because there was no money left to sign him long term. Um, you know, they're still in it, but the 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 chances are low. I mean, uh, well, what what was your expectations of the Jets at the start of this year? And I mean, uh, why do you think they are where they are right now? Well. I thought they would be a playoff team. Uh, I was not as high on them. I mean, I know there were some people who were kind of touting them as, uh, you know, the best team in Canada and that. And I, I wasn't quite in in that um, ballpark, but I I thought they were a playoff team. I, I like the upgrades on defense. You know, in general, I'm I've, I'm I would say you know fans of the of the work of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt over the course of their careers. So I I looked at those additions and thought, okay, well that's that's the Jets bringing in guys to address you know what was quite clearly a a weak spot. Um, and so I, you know, I figured, yes, they'd be a playoff team and, and kind of see where you go because there's enough high, high end talent there that, you know, that whenever you have kind of elite um, scorers, you have a chance maybe to punch a little bit above your weight class, right? Is that, you know, some of those guys get hot, you can, you can do something. And especially, and then when you add in a goaltender like Hellebuck, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that kind of lifts them above. Um, but that, that hasn't quite happened. You know, the, um, you know, the Ehlers injury obviously didn't help things. Hellebuck hasn't played, uh, you know, to his, you know, normally amazing level. And so, and the, and the thing is that uh, as I look at the trade deadline, the Jets didn't throw in the towel on this. Yes, they, they traded Andrew Kopp to, you know, to get some pieces, but they brought back Mason Appleton uh, from Seattle. You got um, Zach Sanford from Ottawa. And, and to me, that, that looks like a, a Jets team that, yes, the math really isn't in their favor, but they're not ready to say – we're giving up on the season that you may as well take a shot at it here in the last 20 games and, and see if you can squeeze in. Uh, because I mean, look, as we were just talking, you know, some of those teams at the bottom of the, the Western conference playoff race, not terribly inspiring. Uh, and so if you're the jets and you can manage to play, you know, the last quarter of the season and play well, you still might be able to to sneak into the playoffs. Now, you know, does, does that mean that they're on their way to the Stanley cup? If they do it, probably not, but you know, there, there's there's plenty of revenue to be made if you uh, play a round or two in the playoffs, right? No doubt. And you, people get fired up if all that can happen. We joke that, well, if the Jets do make the playoffs, just by definition, they'll be one of the hottest teams in the league heading in and yeah. maybe being a tough one out. 
And, you know, we look, and I think we're really going to find out, you know, what the next month is going to be like in the next 10 days. Because they've got a decimated Vegas team in here tonight. Yeah. You've got the Ottawa Senators here on Thursday. The Columbus Blue Jackets and on Friday. The Arizona Coyotes on Sunday. And the Buffalo Sabres to begin a road trip next uh, next Wednesday. Now, all that being said, the reason why the Jets are where they are this year is because of some ugly losses to teams near the bottom of the standings. And you combine that with now, I believe, a 4-10 and 10 record in OT. And those points are so valuable. And that really yeah. is the difference between in a spot right now and being out. Um, but it is going to be an interesting next week and a half to see what this team's going to be able to do. On the other side is the visitors tonight. And I mean, this dad and off story with this trade is just bizarre, kind of funny uh, in some ways, but, um, you know, a, a serious issue because the Vegas Golden Knights, maybe of all the teams in the league, had the most serious cap issues. And yeah. part of that trade was to alleviate some of that. Um, and then you look at all their injuries. I mean, I think everyone assumed that they'd be probably winning the Pacific, but to be where they are without seemingly hoping he come, coming anytime soon. I mean, this is a team that is, you know, on the ledge, hanging by the fingernails right now, Scott. Yeah, and that's that's why, you know, if, if you had said, say, two or three weeks ago, well, yeah, Vegas, they'll, they'll get they'll get things back together and and you could feel pretty comfortable, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. And then as you kind of see, you know, the losses keep mounting and and the the injured list keeps keeps growing for them, it becomes, well, maybe it's not going to work out. And and, and so, yeah, it, I, I had looked at... Uh, the schedule and seeing what the Jets have coming up and with considering the head to heads they have here with Vegas. I mean, th that's probably part of the reason that the Jets are, are willing to, you know, invest themselves in the rest of the season is because if you can win the head to heads against Vegas, that really improves the, the, the chances uh, of making the playoffs in a big way. And, and I don't know what the answer is uh, for Vegas other than, well, you've got Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone and Riley Smith and, and Robin Leonard injured. I mean, you start taking that number of key players off of almost any team and the results aren't going to be very good. And, you know, I, I, it appears that Vegas is no different. Uh, and, you know, the Jack Eichel trade, you know, you could look at, you know, the, the long-term impact and, and what it's going to mean for them. It's probably going to be really good, but in the short term, he hasn't been able to save what, it, what has kind of been a, a drowning uh, team. No doubt. Hey, what other team I wanted to ask you about that I think people maybe are sleeping on a little bit that have quietly become, you know, an absolute contender and made a couple interesting acquisitions yesterday, including Ricard Raquel, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, I look right now with their 38, 16 and nine right now. I mean, they've got they certainly have players. I don't know what the analytics are on knowing how to win and being there before, but, you know, they've got that experience in the room. Um, and, you know, they're going up against a Rangers team that, let's face it, has been propped up by incredible goaltending, which can win you a lot of games. Can you do that consistently? I'm not sure. But, I mean, when you look at the Penguins and their ability to maybe knock off some of the top teams in the East and make some real noise in the playoffs, so where do you come out? I think I think that's a, you know, I mean, the, the analytics on, on the Pittsburgh Penguins are, are still pretty good for Sidney Crosby. You know, like, that guy still plays at a really high level. Um, but, I mean, the thing that kind of gets lost in the Penguins is that they really outplayed the Islanders in the first round last year, but Tristan Jerry really had a tough series uh, in goal. And so, you know, it ends up that it looks really bad on the Penguins getting bounced by the Islanders so easily. And, and But if you looked at, you know, if you watch the series or you look at the underlying numbers from the series, Pittsburgh generally outplayed them. They just got, uh, you know, disastrous goaltending. Well, Jerry has played great this season. And if he plays, you know, league average or better, well, they're going to be a really tough team to uh, to beat. And I mean, yes, the, these are 
experienced guys who know know how to win and so on. But uh, I think it's it's you know the the evaluation can be much simpler than that. Is that you know they still have a lot of really good players and and you know the fact that Malkin you know, missed a, a good portion of the season that might help him be a little bit more rested uh, going into the playoffs. And I, I think really anytime you have Crosby and Malkin running down the middle, uh, you're going to have a chance. And, and they made like the Raquel edition, I think is a really good one for them. Um, you know, you still have guys like Jake Gensel and Brian Rust who have, you know, been big parts of, of playoff runs for, for the Penguins already. Uh, and so I, I think, yeah, they're, they're going to be, they're, they're sort of, you know, when, when you're, when you're looking at the Stanley cup odds, they're sort of a team that I consider as a value play, right? Because, you know, if, if you're looking at the the favorites and it's, you know, the, the avalanche at plus 425, well, there's not a ton of upside on taking the avalanche at this point. Like, yes, it'd be good to be right. But you know, the, the, the value comes with teams that are much further down the board. Uh, and the penguins are one of those teams that, that I think, you know, they, they've sort of, as you say, quietly done this. Um, but it, but when you talk about how good their record is, consider the fact that they were missing Evgeny Malkin for half the season, that they didn't start the season with Sidney Crosby, and that, you know, Mike Sullivan just sort of kept it all together uh, until all those guys got back. And then I think that's, you know, all the reason to think that, that Pittsburgh is, is, you know, what you might consider a Stanley Cup sleeper. Oh, Scott, this has been great. Hey, just very quickly in the way you mentioned value, um, you've been, you know, looking and focusing in on the nightly betting throughout the season. Is there, I always joke that the best value on the board is always who's ever playing the Leafs just because <laughs> just be, I mean, listen, it's a fact. Yeah. I mean, they're such a public team that you're yeah. always getting a better number on them, but is there a team or two that, you know, has sort of quietly emerged as a generally good value player? One that uh, if you've been on them quite a bit this year, you've probably ended up ahead. Well, I mean, the the thing is, I mean, the Rangers have been good value because generally, I think in, in, when you look at all the surrounding numbers on the Rangers, they aren't very good, and so it, it tends to be, yeah, you think, oh, they they should be able to outplay the Rangers, and yes, they do, but then Igor Shostyorkin, you know, dashes your hopes, and and so that that has paid off pretty well this season, I think, for uh, if you're a Rangers fan. But I also think the Hurricanes are a team that. One, they're not as say public as as the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they've just kind of quietly gone about their business and on their way to the top of the uh, Metropolitan Division. Uh, so yeah, I think the Hur- Hurricanes and Rangers are a couple of those teams that, um, you know, the, the, their value in the marketplace isn't quite as appreciated really as uh, as the total results. Scott, this has been so great catching up again. Thanks so much for doing this, folks. Follow him on Twitter at by Scott Cullen, and uh, just fill us in on where we can find uh, more of your work right now, Scott. Yeah, you can check it out at uh, sportsbookreview.com. Uh, uh, you can check out at SBR Picks uh, as well on Twitter. That kind of will will send you in the right direction. And at McKean's Hockey, uh, where I still do a weekly fantasy hockey uh, piece for them. So thanks a lot for having me. This was awesome. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Let's do it again soon, Scott. You be well. Yep, you got it. Great stuff. There's our old pal, Scott Cullen, who was our uh, go-to guy. Man, we had some great fantasy conversations back in the day, and now he continued to do some great stuff. He's also got a sub stack and a hockey newsletter. It's all their information at his Twitter feed at by Scott Cullen. All right, Jeff Hamilton still to come. We're going to hear from Dave Lowry in just a second. Big shout out to Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery, who uh, have become the go-to spot in the city and province for batteries at great prices for whatever you need batteries for. Automotive batteries, really right around $100 with Core Exchange, may, all makes and models, and they'll deliver it to you for $115 anywhere in the city for just $115. Uh, they got your booster cables, everything else you need. And of course, coming into the summer, 
You're going to be able to uh, get your boat batteries, ATV batteries, and uh, so much more all over at Manitoba Battery. They're at 1026 Logan. Give them a call at 783-8787 or find out more online at manitobabattery.com. Um, hey, we're going to hear from Mason Appleton and Zach Sanford a little later on. There might be some people wanting to get back into an Appleton 22 jersey. Whatever your Jets jersey needs or merch needs, you know where to get it. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Uh, they've got the greatest hockey selection in the city, snowboards, fitness, and when it comes to bomber gear, Jets gear, NFL, MLB, NBA, um, there is nowhere else you need to go other than Royal Sports. Make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and exclusives. And uh, I'll give you a little tease. Greg was telling me, for all of you that like baseball hats, uh, and really, really cool launch coming up very soon, which we'll be telling you about shortly here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But keep an eye out for that and head on over to Royal Sports. And our friends at Not Auto Corp have a lot going on. Of course, they are the place to go uh, if you're looking for a new vehicle. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? But th with all the interest in Teslas, and they really have been the leaders in Teslas for geez, seven, eight years in Winnipeg, they've got something new called the Tesla Experience Program, uh, which is a way for prospective Tesla owners to experience a Tesla for themselves in their own setting at home, at work, and play. Owning, driving, charging a Tesla is different than a new driving experience and not necessarily for everyone. Find out more at Not, at Waverly and McGilvery, or online at Not.ca. Excuse me. All right, we will hear from Dave Lowry, Zach Sanford, Mason Appleton a little bit later on. But guess who's back? The author of one of the great pieces in Winnipeg Free Press history, I will say. And I'm not talking about the one on Saturday, but it's our great friend Jeff Hamilton. First off, big thanks for myself and Remus. That was uh, was Ooh. awesome. We got such amazing feedback from that. And uh, we will always be indebted to you for uh, taking some time to do a little story on what we're doing at Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I guess we won't talk about how you threatened my life if I didn't if I didn't write one of those for you guys, right? Major I mean, threats, yeah. major threats. No, you going know what? On. In all seriousness, my pleasure. You know what? It was you guys know how much I appreciate this show and and what you and particularly what you guys have done. Uh, so yeah, it was awesome. Tons of great feedback as well. Um, only a couple emails telling me I was bananas to think you guys are on the up and up, but uh, for the most part, it was it was positive stuff. So it's a nice nice change of pace sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it definitely was, and it was great for us. So, anyways, I wanted to thank you right off the bat for that. Um, you know, it's been an interesting week for the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, man, we've been talking about the trade deadline for weeks coming in, and you know, there was no clear spot. I mean. I think clearly the Winnipeg Jets are still a long shot for the playoffs, but they are at a point, especially when you look at what's happening around them, where nothing is for sure right now. And I think, you know, from my perspective, that's sort of what we got yesterday. Um, you know, a move that was made out of opportunity, but also situation with Andrew Cott moving on, you know, a pretty decent return coming back, but a couple interesting ads as well. I mean, your thoughts now that the trade deadlines behind us on, uh, the work of Kevin Sheveldayoff over the course of the past week. Yeah, a couple things come to mind. I think I think predictable is one. Um, you know, I thought that I thought Kevin Sheveldayoff played his hand a little bit when he went on to TSN. Now that could have been gamesmanship. It could have you know it could have been that if if it was different results. I think he said exactly what he was going to do or was hoping to do and and make deals. He mentioned it was quiet 
uh, you know, on the calls. I mean, obviously there were teams that were in on Andrew Kopp, but I don't think a lot of the, you know, including Stastny, it wasn't a lot of action on him from other teams, which means he wasn't going to go out there and float it to teams and whatever. He was more than willing to have, you know, the teams come to him. And so that was maybe his message when he was taught, when he was being interviewed by Sarah. Um, you know, I thought, you know, the, another way I would sum it up and just is just reaction on social media and amongst my friends and whatever is, is when you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. Cause I, I just don't think when you don't commit to a, a certain thing, you, you kind of leave everybody left wanting and, and those parties obviously being one those you know the diehard fans who and i don't even say diehard fans fans who just want to you know don't look at the odds and go this is crazy to think that this team's going to make it they're willing to you know pack it in on them and not not hope for what they you know view as a miracle they're not happy with, with guys like paul stassi not getting shopped and and getting assets for the future and and maximize those as well as kind of trying to replace the holes um that caught that Andrew Kopp left, right? I mean, and they're happy about that one. We'll get into Mason Appleton and whatever the other picks, but then there's the players. You, you think the players are seeing this as a commitment to this year's run? Not really. I mean, they just saw Andrew Kopp leave. I mean, I'm sure they get it, but they don't care about next season and the season after, not nearly as much as the, you know, the GM has to. So, you know, they're not believing that this is some kind of commitment to the future, uh, or the immediate future, the present, if you will, and a run this year. And then there's the fans that, you know, who who were hoping that you would, you know, keep those guys and and maybe, you know, maybe be able to sign them later. And 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 why not add more pieces or better pieces? And that and th- that group obviously uh, would not be happy either. So I feel like it's just one of those things where he tried to please everybody, and and you know, kind of we'll see what the results are. Yeah. Um... The one thing I'll say, you know, for anyone that thinks, because, I mean, I think there was a lot of people, myself included, that thought it was in the best interest of the team, you know, long-term to trade Andrew Kopp. I mean, the demand was there. We saw what the market was. And to be honest, I thought that best case scenario, they'd get two second round picks. So I give the general manager a very good grade on this trade, waiting it out till the end, getting two second rounders, one that could potentially turn into a first rounder if Sturkin gets hot and they win a couple rounds. And by all accounts, you know, a young man in Morgan Barron that can come in and, you know, potentially be, you know, a bottom six player that, you know, brings some, you know, some good skill and size to the Winnipeg Jets going forward. Uh, for If people are thinking that the Jets, you know, turn down like second rounders or something for Paul Stastny, I got news for you. I mean, that wasn't the case. Two years ago, he was acquired for a fourth rounder. He's older now. No, he has actually having a good season and his yeah, contract is a little bit less, but... I mean, I just don't really think that there was the market. I mean, there was the reason, there was a reason that Paul Stastny, even with his expiring contract, when you, you know, looked at the TSN trade bait board and all these other boards, often wasn't even on them or if or he was on, it was like when they were struggling to get their full list of 60 and they were putting him down at 49 or 50. Um, you know, he just wasn't a guy that there was a huge, huge market before. And when you look at what he's doing right now for the Jets, uh, the Jets, Jeff, I mean, he's been playing with Shifley and Wheeler. He's been very productive. And tonight, when they really do need him, who's playing in the middle of that third line with the two newcomers? It's Paul Stasny. So to me, I mean, unless there was an offer that was absolutely going to blow the Jets out of the water, even in the short term, but Paul Stasny's not here beyond this season. And from the sounds of Dave Lowry today, that is a possibility. I think it still made sense to not completely throw in the towel and do this because, frankly, I don't think the return would have made sense considering what the market was for a player like Paul right now. 
Well, if you're gonna, if you want to take Kevin Shevelday out by his word, I mean, he said yesterday that they didn't get any calls really on on Paul Stasty. Maybe a couple teams kicking tires, and even that would have been, I think, overplaying it. But at the, like I said earlier, I, there was no a- action by him as a GM to go out there and say, "Hey, this guy's for sale." You know, what, what do you want? In fact, um, Shevelday, uh, Kevin Shevelday said that he. Uh, he, he even kind of hinted that, or didn't even outright said that teams knew that we're kind of still in it. Like that's our attitude that we're not, you know, we're not a, you know, they didn't declare themselves as sellers. And so I think there's a little bit of a, you know, an understanding code, if you will, amongst general managers that if, if you're a seller, you know, you want to let teams know that you're a seller that, to come to us, you want to attract as many people as you want. And the fact of the matter is the jets weren't sellers. They didn't view themselves as sellers. Now, me saying that does not suggest that I'm saying they shouldn't have sold or shouldn't have got assets. But the the but the Jets, you know, the the management, the players, they don't view themselves as didn't want to view themselves as sellers. They they, they still see as slim as the odds may be a chance to get in there. And so I don't think there was a willingness. And I think there would have been more of an understanding amongst fans, you know, because of of what you know, as you mentioned, Sassy got a fourth rounder a couple of years ago. Anyone who thinks that he would have got much better than that. Um, sorry to tell you, but that, that, what, that isn't the case and wouldn't have been the case. So, um, you know, I, and there are other, uh, the other thing is, I mean, people say, well, someone else can go play with the top line. Like you can replace them or give other guys opportunities. Well, yeah, I guess so. But Paul Stastny, if, if you're looking to make a, a cup run here, you need Paul Stastny and what he provides on the ice. And you particularly need what he provides off the ice big time because he is the guy that is the in between the veteran players and the young guys he's the one who you know has that that um you know and andrew cop was a leader for sure but we all know what he was fetching so um but paul stassi is undoubtedly one of the leaders in that room and, and more importantly one of the more calming presences to you know again be that bridge between the veterans and younger players he you know and so to me it, it you know as much as I would have totally understood and it probably wouldn't have been maybe when you look at the odds, the most prudent thing to do would have been to, you know, ditch him for a fourth or whatever you could get. Um, but I also, I don't necessarily look at the, the, the decision to keep him as, as all that big of a, a loss, if you will. Uh, the, the the move that I liked the most that Shevel Dayoff did was getting Mason Appleton back. And I'll be mm-hmm. honest, I was blown away that he was able to do that for a fourth round pick, especially considering that, you know, he is an RFA. He's making 900 grand this year. I mean, yeah, he'll be in for a raise, but he doesn't have the numbers that are going to, you know, triple his salary or anything like that. And, you know, we talked a lot this year, Jeff, about the uh, the bottom six not coming through. Veselainen did basically nothing in 51 games. He's back with the Moose right now. They're taking a look at some other players. But um, to get Appleton back, a player that's proven, can play with Adam Lowry, knowing that Andrew Kopp was going to be gone. I mean, I thought that was an A move. And, I was quite interested when we saw Zach Sanford coming here. I mean, this is a guy with a $2 million salary. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. The cost was very low. It was only a fifth rounder. So I would say the risk is the worst, worth the reward. But um, just your thoughts on those two ads and the situation for Sanford coming in, you know, on his third team in, in recent, you know, we played for what, four seasons with St. Louis. We saw a lot of him there. Mm-hmm. played in Ottawa and now he comes here. I mean, uh, I kind of think that this could be similar to the last time the Jets picked up a guy at the deadline from the Ottawa centers, which was Dylan DeMello who came in kind of realized that there was a good opportunity for him and ended up sticking around. 
yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he's the if the I don't know if he's the deadline pickup that you're you're bragging about. If you're looking to go on a on a run here, and the Jets are looking to go on a run or have to go on a run. You know what? I funny story about Mason Appleton. So being you know the only scribe on the road in Chicago, um, it was a very interesting scene after the game. The the you know the uh, press conferences wrap up. We're done asking questions, and and in walks uh, you know um, Andrew Cop to talk to a PR guy. Scott Brown and he's just got this concerning look on him and I'm watching this whole thing go down I'm looking I'm like this is I'm like is he traded is this is this you know whatever but you can tell he's talking about somebody else and you know I don't know if I heard correctly but savvy move by uh by Scott I think he said oh something like nice goal or something or, or that or that's what they're talking about the goal or something to throw me off the the sniff but it was funny to hear Mason Appleton say that he got the heads up from Andrew Cop because I must you know I must have Whatever it is, one of Cop's friends or what connections he has with Seattle or whatever it might be, whatever he knew, I felt like I saw him, you know, I saw that reaction from him. So anyway, you know, and then obviously credit to Jay Bell who who had it kind of, you know, said the first mentioned the deal and then Elliot Friedman came in and said what it was, you know, looking to be and then Drager put the stamp on it and said what it was. But, um, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, I, it's a good pickup. It's not, it's not, it's not. I mean, he's not Andrew Kopp, so it's not an improvement, but it's certainly better than, you know, what they had. Like you mentioned, Kristen Veselin has come in and not really been able to establish his game here, and that's why he's back with the Moose for this run. That's exactly why he's back with the Moose. Dave Lowry mentioned, you know, he needs to get that confidence back up. Um, so in that respect, if, you know, it, it does help. It doesn't, again, doesn't improve the Winnipeg Jets with the loss of Kopp. But, um, you know, and then, yeah, maybe the Jets, the Jets need a little bit of a – the Jets need a little – they're going to – look, they're going to be fighting and clawing for everything. So, you know, Zach Sanford's the kind of guy who adds a little bit of physicality and muscle, you know. And and if he can – you know, I don't think they're going to be relying much on him for offense. Just same story with Mason Appleton. But they play a, a harder checking game. Maybe that's a solid checking line. I don't think you're – you know, it's going to – again, the loss of an Andrew Kopp on that line, I don't think you're going to just expect that one to be, you know, guy, guy out, guy in success here. But, uh, you know, maybe we'll see what happens – um, you know, down in these last 19 games. But, I mean, okay pickups overall. I think you did accomplish – I think you limited the damage. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you do have some – you do have some future picks, but I think you you, you took a few dents for sure uh, presently. Yeah, the and I mean, I think getting back, um, you know, the picks that they did for Andrew Kopp, um, while those are not going to immediately turn into help over the next couple seasons – um, I think it was important to restock those cupboards considering what they gave up last offseason in acquiring Brandon Dillon, which I believe was the two seconds, the third rounder for Nate Schmidt. So, I mean, you get those two picks. And listen, every Jet fan is going to be all in on Truba and Kopp in the playoffs to see if they can win a couple rounds and maybe turn that yeah. into a uh, into a first a rounder. Rangers fans in this neck of the woods yeah, now. A- absolutely. Um, as far as the defense goes, I mean, we had talked about this and I had speculated that, you know, at some point I do think before they drop the puck on next season, one of the top five of the Jet Blue Line is going to, you know, be moving. Um, I think they need to, you know, move their distribution of their cap expenditures a little bit more from the Blue Line to the forward group. Um, and it goes without saying, you want to open up a spot or two for some younger players to come in, contribute and also play on ELCs. Um, were you at all surprised that nothing happened on the blue line right now? And uh, are you of the opinion that something does happen in the off season with that group? 
I don't know if I'm not. I don't know if I would be. I'm not surprised that nothing happened at the deadline with that group. I think again, when you look at the you know the direction the Jets have kind of you know they went all in on this and they're not ready at trade deadline to pull their cards out and wave the white flag. So I'm not surprised in any respect. I mean, who would you have come up? Right? Would you have you know Billy Hanela come up? You know Dylan Sandberg come up? Like those guys haven't played on the team and in the NHL for a long time. So if you're serious about this stretch run it's kind of you got to got to take the guys that you got to take and I mean I think Logan Stanley has been been okay the last little while here and I think we just we moved on from this debate on anyone you know on the farm coming up and taking up one of these guys places just so you have to kind of you're locked in with this group of of six that they have and um you know we'll we'll see what happens again I wouldn't have been surprised if they maybe dealt them I would have been maybe a little bit surprised if say you know whether it be like a prospect like Billy Hainel that got moved or uh, you know one of the one of the usual six, but um, but I just I, I would have been mostly surprised that Billy Hainel might have been the guy that would have come up and replaced him. It's like if that's the way you've been feeling, why haven't you done this a while ago? You know, so um, but you know certainly the off season is a completely different beast. I think you you know something's got to give. You know the, the the defensive situation on this team is has not been good and whether that's a coaching change you know Charlie Huddy's been here for a very long time you know I I wonder we talk a lot about coaching situations Dave Lowry what's going to happen with that situation lots of moving pieces in this offseason from almost a higher up level Um, Kevin Sheveldayoff's job included too I mean that needs to be uh, reviewed if the if the Winnipeg Jets don't make the playoffs I think everything's under a microscope in that case so you know whether whether that leads to a change in in defense really i think depends on whether that's a change in leadership and what that what what, what a new plan would be or if it's existing leadership uh you know i guess it, you know what what is their plan with them i think it'd be more likely maybe to move earlier so lots of question marks on this team and although i think the defense certainly could get a a shakeup i think i think uh, you know, the forwards could get a massive shakeup when we talk about guys like Mark Shifley and his future. So lots, lots, lots of uh, things to talk about in, in the offseason and certainly an exciting 19 games here to see if this team can figure it out. But again, I think anything's on the table come, you know, come June. Yeah, I mean, Chevy did make a couple of other smaller moves. I mean, certainly Nathan Beaulieu going over to Pittsburgh as, uh-huh. as a depth player was... Um, you know, giving him an opportunity to move on and you get that money off your off the cap, although he was on LTIR at the time. But the, maybe the most interesting deal was the um, trading the rights of Nathan Smith, who was exciting a lot of people, you know, Hobie Baker winner, but became quite clear that, you know, he didn't see the opportunity here in Winnipeg with where he was playing. Um, he'll get plenty of opportunity in Arizona, but moving the Brian Little contract um, this year doesn't really make any difference. But over the next couple of years, um, put it this way, the issues that the Jets have had cap-wise dealing with that LTR are taken away, and um, that should be a positive for the GM um, in the next couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of taken, the, yeah, taking care of a bit other business that doesn't involve, you know, whether it's future, you know, whether, whether it's building for the future or, or trying to build for the present here. Nathan Smith's an interesting story. I tweeted out after, you know, he, he was dealt uh, to Arizona as part of that, above that little trade too um was i I interviewed him a few months ago you know where i right when news opened that he was 
pick for the U.S. team in the Olympics when the NHL players were were, were ruled out. Anyways, uh, I just got the gut feeling that he wasn't all that interested in coming to Winnipeg. Now, he said mostly the right things. Um, certainly said he looks forward to kind of his future w- w- with the organization and all that stuff, but, you know, wasn't keeping up to tabs on the team, wasn't doing some things that I thought maybe a, a player who would have been all in or, you know, committed to – uh, or felt committed to might know or, or talk about like he didn't he didn't get into much specifics and even said you know I don't have a lot of time to do it and that's totally true so that totally could be the case but uh, like I said it was just a gut feeling um, you know it happens lots of lots of organizations lose out on on college guys that's the situation that's the rule that that's in place now if you want to wait out uh, not sign a deal you have that opportunity and it's just NCAA careers are a bit longer a lot of those players too aren't you know they're not first round picks um, usually you've got commitment to them and you're following them they're usually later round picks that blossom in around their early 20s and if you can get them great you know Andrew Kopp would have been considered one of those players uh, you know but if you can't get them then they kind of have the right situation and I don't even blame him for making that. I mean, his logic is, is sound. There isn't a lot of, you know, if you want to play center and that's the position you want to fight for, if you're looking at the Jets current depth and you're looking to come in and not take a few years to crack the top nine, uh, that would be maybe pretty tough for him here. And so I think it's kind of, it, it makes sense really to, to look at what teams are, you know, and, and clearly you must've talked to Arizona. And if you look at them, they probably told him he, you know, he can get things, you know, he'll have a lot of time to play here and develop. PP1 this season. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe they've been promised him a banner outside the new, the new, the new arena. So like, you know, I, I just, so I don't blame him for that, but it, I I'd certainly see why fans would be disappointed. You know, like you mentioned, Huss, lots of hype around him, uh, having a great collegiate season, have, you know, ranked one of those, top finalist, top 10 finalist for the Hobie Baker award. So a lot to like there. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, he's out the door and, and uh, you know, best of luck in the desert. Hey, hammer always brings them out. Great to see how many people with us live on YouTube, by the way, if you're new here, great to have you with us, do us a favor, hit that red subscribe button. And now for everyone in the chat, do us a favor and just hit that red, uh, that thumbs up button. Give us a like helps us spread the stream. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg free press is with us on Winnipeg sports talk daily. So let's look ahead to tonight. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the Jets. I didn't think things could get worse for the Vegas Golden Knights than when they came in last weekend with about 40 mil of their roster on the IR. Then you add in Zach Whitecloud and Mike Amadio getting put on the COVID list this week. I mean, there's some guys I legitimately never heard of in this Vegas Golden Knights uh, roster this evening. And then you add in this Dadanoff trade. And I don't know where this goes from here, but it's an absolutely wild story that I don't know whether Vegas didn't know about it, just claimed ignorance um, because he wasn't on the list when they traded for him for Ottawa. But I'll tell you what, I mean, just quickly on the Dadanoff thing, if this doesn't get straightened out and they're stuck with this, I mean, that's an even bigger issue for them because they have the worst salary cap problems in the league after adding Jack Eichel. And, this was a big part of being able to just activate the guys that they've got on LTIR right now. They did win a couple very important games after going 0 for 5 on that road trip. Uh, but Jeff, this team comes in in an incredibly precarious predicament considering what their roster's looking like and where they are in the Western Conference standings. Yeah, imagine, imagine thinking at any point in the season, but now Vegas 
acquiring Jack Eichel and then not making the playoffs. Like I just, you know, and, and certainly you look at the salary cap and you look at the Danilov issues and that's just messed up. It's just, and like, it, yeah, it's a lose, lose situation depending on who, you know, what side you're on and what party you are. I mean, the, it, it does not look good, but um, you know, they've, they've been able to pull out some wins recently that I, you know, the big victory against Florida a couple games ago, but you know, if you're, if you're a Jets fan, I mean, you're not feeling all that sorry for them. This isn't, you know, this is a team that, I mean, who, and who can feel sorry for Vegas, right? Like, I just feel like, you know, what the, the, they're trying to play this, uh, you know, tightrope with the, with the salary cap and, and um, you know, and, and with this trade and naiveness, all this stuff, it's just like, you know, they've been the success story since they've been in the, you know, the, the, to miss the playoffs for them would not be a big deal. They've, they've had a lot of opportunity, but um, it would just be more funny than anything given, you know, given the town on their team. But I, as you mentioned, me- messaged or mentioned, sorry, uh, this team is, this team's been depleted. I mean, this, this is almost, it's hard to really think of another team that's been, been hit with the injury bug greater than them. And, and I don't want to say bad luck. A lot of teams have been hit with COVID. So that's just, you know, adding, you know, fuel to the fire in their situation. But um, you know, for a long time there. I mean, just the fact that they're still in it, they still have some time here. They just need to be, you know, they just need to figure it out. And I, I don't know, Vegas always seems to figure things out. So it'll be an interesting one. But again, I'll just go back to the point where if you're a Jets fan and you're looking to leapfrog them, um, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're enjoying this free fall a little bit from their part. Well, it's a big opportunity tonight. And really this next five game block on the schedule is the season for the Winnipeg Jets. And, um, you know, as frustrating as it's been, and we think back to the Arizona game and the Buffalo game, and there's a number of points that they've left. And, you know, certainly the situation in overtime, you know, if they've had better results, we're talking about, you know, certainly different numbers. But Jeff, this week, tonight is Vegas. We just talked about their situation. The Ottawa Senators Thursday, Line and the Blue Jackets on Friday, Arizona on Sunday, and then Buffalo to start that back-to-back next week. I mean, five eminently winnable games. Um, you know, nothing's, you know, you take nothing for granted with this squad, but I will say this. Um, this is an incredible opportunity. If this team wants to show that, oh, they are going to be playing meaningful games in April, we're going to find out in the next 10 days as to how they do over the course of these next five. Well, I just go back to the thing I've been saying, you know, to you in the last couple, or at least the last couple of weeks or week at least last week's show was that, you know, that whole six, two and one run that the jets just recently were on that, you know, was flipping the script and was, you know, this is the, this team's back to, to, you know, finding a bit of consistency, even though, you know, there was no greater win streak in there than two games as we've been talking over and over about, but um, you know, that they need to be better than that the rest of the way. So, you know, that the, while six, two and one looks like a good record, it's not good enough for what the Jets need to do here down the final stretch. So they actually need to improve on that. And as you mentioned, I mean, you list off those teams and they're all winnable games. And even, even though the, 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 the Ottawa Columbus game is back to back, it's back to back at home. The biggest, you know, some of the biggest challenges, I know it's later in the season, so it's not, you know, similar to having a back to back earlier in the year when you, when maybe you have more legs, but the, the biggest challenge in back to back and feeling sore or feeling sorry, feeling tired for for that second game is because you got to jump on a plane and fly to another city, check into a hotel, and then try to fall asleep in something other than your own bed. So, 
those are the challenges. So even though there is a back-to-back with Ottawa and Columbus there, um, you know, on, on Thursday, Friday, those are two very winnable games. And as we mentioned, you know, how depleted Vegas is, you're at home again, you know, you won 7-3 a week ago against the same team in the same building. Uh, you, you'd like to think you start that one off on a strong note, but as we've seen, this team, you never really know what you're going to get with them. And, uh, you know, that's not a, that's not a good thing at this point in the year, but um, you know, whether we think, whether you think they will, whether they should, uh, the fact is they have to, and, and losing to any one of the next five teams here, maybe you'll give them a break if they go five and zero, and then they, you know, break that streak against Toronto, but you got to win at least, you got to get points in every game um, and certainly win at least four of them. Well, and I would say right now with their overtime record, if they get it to the extra time, you got to get two out of that. I mean, listen, one's oh, better time. than zero, but you know, it's, uh, uh, it, it's all you know. It's all right there in front of them right now. And again, you know, going five and zero in this stretch, which is a huge if. I mean, that has not happened at all this season. And I'm not sure, especially with the loss of Andrew Kopp and missing Adam Lowry for the next couple of games, um, you would you would you would count on that. But um, if all of a sudden you were able to do that, and you know now you're you know in nine games above five hundred, and you realistically need to get to thirteen or fourteen to get into the playoffs. You know, that going 14 and five in your final 19 games, if you can rattle off the first four or five of them, it becomes far more realistic to make happen, despite the fact that they do have some very tough games later on in the schedule. And that's why these games are so important. I mean, you're not taking anything for granted when you go to Florida and go to Tampa or you play Colorado a couple times. So um, the time is now to get these wins because this there will not be a better opportunity on the schedule than what's in front of the Winnipeg Jets beginning tonight for the next week and a half. Yeah, I'm trying to do the math in my head and I'm just losing it. But you know, you look at it, you look at the, you look at what they need to do. They would need to win 15 of their last 20 games. Okay, so you won that game against Chicago. So if you rip, you know, run off the next five, which again you have to throw the caveat in there that that hasn't happened this season. So it's certainly far from a guarantee. That makes six wins, which leaves you. With what do you need in that? You need nine more wins. Then you need to go and nine and five. Nine, yeah, exactly. Nine and five. So that sounds a lot easier, I guess. See, it still seems pretty hard, even after with, even after assuming or ripping off a five game, uh, you know, five game win streak. So uh, you know what? Like we said, from like I think even mentioned in your last interview there. You know, if the Jets make the playoffs, they're going to be one of the hottest teams. So this is my we, favorite thing to say. So every hey. time, every time, <laughs> you know, every time they they get a loss, it drastically, uh, you know, drastically alters their chances of making the making the run. And but if you put together, you know, and this is just Doctor Obvious here, you put together a win streak and your odds get better. But uh, just looking at the opponents on the calendar right now, there's no excuses. You're the better team in all of those uh, all of those matchups. So you, if, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to beat the teams that you're better than. Go out and get her done. Um, Jeff Hamilton's with us. You mentioned you were the lone uh, scribe on, uh, on Boots on the Ground out in Chicago. Um, what did you think of that game? I mean, it was uh, like that was no Picasso. And I mean, I know Dave Lowry, like he said after the game, hey, we're not in the business of critiquing wins right now in the situation that we are at. But uh, yeah. It was just, it was an ultimate Jets-Hawks game from this season. I mean, there was, uh, like, if the Jets made some of the mistakes that they made against the Blackhawks, against good teams, I mean, it's, it's a very, very different story. I mean, the Hawks at times look so 
disengaged. And honestly, it sort of crept into the Jets game as a time as well in that game. But uh, what did you make of it? And what was the feeling around the club after they got the win? Was it just, hey, we got the job done, move on? Or was it, um, well, we know we need to be better coming into this next stretch, starting with Vegas tonight? A bit of both. But like Dave Lowry said, and like we've seen when they've won, they they enjoy their victories for a team that needs them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they they I'm not going to say they didn't mention it, uh, or, or recognize, you know, what was a pretty crappy third period for them against a team that had played the night before. Talk about back-to-backs. Uh, I thought that was probably the most disappointing part of the Jets' effort was that they were on a one-game road trip and uh, Chicago was coming back from a heavy game against in Minneapolis or in Minnesota against the Wild the night before. So to, to see that they had the legs in the, in the final 20 minutes was not good. You know, there was also another one. You look at the second period, and Kyle Connor said this after the game. Um, you know they need to get hit in the mouth and reminded that they were in a big game. And it wasn't until until that that they they rallied and scored. You know, scored what four goals in that period to take a five two lead. And 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 then yeah, the disappointing third. And at one point, I mean, at one point they, they were shot away from it being a much different ending. And 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 wouldn't that have been the nail in the coffin? You know. It, as much as you look at the victory, it wasn't going to propel them, whether they won, you know, they could have won 8-1, and it wasn't like, you aren't going to say the Jets are back, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if they lose that game, you're definitely saying the Jets are out. So I, I felt like that was too close. But, you know, as Dave, Dave Lowry mentioned, I think there is some truth to it. They're, they're not going to critique those, those, lo- those uh, any victories at this point in the season. But I don't think that did much to boost, I think, outsiders' confidence that this team, you know, is ready. Oh my God. It's your boy, Bruce asking about the cupcake. Remo, did you make a cupcake emote? Do we now have that in the, uh, (laughs) in the arsenal of it? Jeff, of course, was at the game. So I don't think he saw the infamous cupcake part incident. Oh yeah, I did. I, 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 I shared it. I shared it on social media and said, who says romance is dead? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a classic move from, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from a, yeah, it was interesting. Jet fans just making a name for ourselves across the league. Did you a, tweet out? That's when you finally got to it, or I think you, you had the show <laughs> the show checklist, and I think you, you you zeroed in on that on that move. Yeah, classic. I, was I want to get the story. That. Oh my god, yeah. Well, he owned it owned it on Reddit. Where uh, we may have to oh, get him on the program sometimes. Oh yeah, he was like, oh yeah, I was just there with my girlfriend. Yeah, she puts I'm, up I'm with my disappointed. BS. I'm kind of disappointed he didn't knock me off the. Uh, uh, <laughs> off the uh, guest list for for today you know yeah well that that, that'll be quite the visit when he does maybe that's the the moment that turns the season around the uh you know the the comeback goal to tie the game up and uh, from there on in it was all jets jeff hamilton's with us hey just quickly back to tonight's game for a minute we knew adam lowry was going to be out for the next couple games very interesting to see you know paul stasty moving into center i think it makes a lot of sense appleton and sanford will play with him on that third line Thought Harkins was awesome in the uh, in the game against Chicago, and he and Toninato can hopefully you know pull some weight along with Brooks on that fourth line. Um, what do you think about Svechnikov going back with Connor and Dubois tonight and moving Ehlers with Shifley and Wheeler? Um, would you have stuck with the Ehlers Connor Dubois combo and then had Svech go up with Shifley and Wheeler, or uh, does it make more sense to get you know Ehlers up there and maybe get a little bit more out of fifty five and twenty six? Um, and utilize a, a unit with Dubois and Connor that has had some success with Svechnikov earlier this season. 
Well, I think you're trying to build chemistry a little bit with Sanford and Appleton. I'm not saying that's the primary objective here, but Stastny kind of brings a bit of a calming game similar to an Adam Lowry. So, and I also think it gives you a bit more depth there. Uh, I don't mind the Ehlers move to Shifun Wheeler. I think you can go back to Connor Dubois and Ehlers uh, anytime you want. We all know the success that I think that's a great spot for Evgeny Sveshnikov. We've all seen the success that he's had at times with that line. I think this is just more of a, a stopgap, balanced, more balanced lineup decisions. I, I got no problem with them. Um, I think Stastny's a, a solid, dependable uh, third-line centerman. Again, I think he, he plays around players. So I think for two guys trying to adjust to the, the, the new game, try to adjust to the, the new systems they're under with, the, with their new teams, uh, helps a lot that you have a, a guy like Paul Stastny who's you know knows where to be, knows the assignments, you know, and will certainly knows the assignments to the degree where he knows he can back, he'll be capable of backing them up um, when they need it. So I think you know I think that's an, an obvious choice to play with him uh, to play with the two you know new. I know Mason Appleton isn't new, but he's you know he is new in the sense that he's, he'll be playing his first game with this team in in quite some time. So. Um, yeah, makes an obvious pick for me. And, I, you know, again, like, would you rather put Svetrikov with, with, uh, with Shifley and Wheeler? I don't think so. They haven't played at all together, so I don't think they played together. Um, but so I, I think these are kind of obvious moves, if you will. Uh, Hammer, hey, before we go, and I know we're focused in on tonight against Vegas and then Ottawa and that makeup game is going to happen on Thursday. Um, but I'm very interested. I can't wait actually for Friday's game to see line a and the blue jackets here in town. What do you think that night's going to be like in the stance? What do you think, um, you know, the reception for Patrick line a is going to be in, um, you know, I heard I, we were speaking, uh, you know, yesterday on the program and I think it was, it was it right? No, it was Mike. We were talking with Mike about it and he said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was closer to like the return of Timu Solani than any of the other players that have come in. I mean, have you thought at all about Columbus and what the reception and what the atmosphere will be like with uh, Patrick Line coming back to Winnipeg for the first time? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I would, you know, put it in Solani area, uh, you know, but I think it's trended more that way. I think that's probably was Mike's point was that I think you're going to see, I think there's a fan, you know, time, a part makes the heart fonder, you know, if you will. So I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, he he was a polarizing guy late in his career. Obviously, he was a beloved player instantly when he was drafted second overall, um, and then came in and, and started tucking goals right away, and was a was a super fan favorite, and then was a bit polarizing for his final you know few years in Winnipeg. But you know, I, I don't see the reason to boo him. I mean, why would you boo him? You, you know, he's a guy. Oh, like I don't think there'll be any of that. I would. And be so, yeah, no, that's was. what I mean. But I think there's people who don't like line. You know what I mean? Like, I think there are people out there that, that, you know, aren't big fans of him, and, you know, see him as wanting to leave Winnipeg, right? Like see him as wanting to be wanting to trade, wanting to get out, out. And at the end, I mean, he did, um, he wasn't begging to stay. He, you know, he wanted a new hockey home. So, um, so I think there's always those kind of people who look at that and, and immediately not like him. But, you know, I, I think he gets a warm reception. You know, I think he's a guy that the, certainly I think the Jets will have a, uh, you know, a, a sizzle reel for him and they'll show his highlights and there's lots of them. And I think once people start watching videos like that of him, you know, teeing up power play missiles, I think they're going to be, they're going to remember the real good times they had with him here and how special a player was. And, and a reminder of when this team was kind of fun. You know what I mean? Like you lose, you lose, you lose Dustin Bufflin, you lose Patrick Liney, you lose the fun and personality of this team. And, 
you know, they've been longing to figure that out. And maybe that's part of the apathy is there's less, there's less excitement. There's still skilled players on this team, but there's less of a, an excitement factor that, you know, guys like Bufflin and certainly Patrick Lanny brought to the, you know, brought to the roster every single night. So I'm expecting, um, you know, a warm reception and I'm respect, I'm expecting a warm reception back from Patrick Lanny. I think he'll address the crowd and, uh, you know, really remember his, you know, fond memories here. Cause that's the one thing about him. He might've wanted a different scenery, um, you know, by the, by the end and, and wanted to get a new hockey home and a new opportunity, but it had nothing to do with his thoughts about the city. Definitely and, and not. Event. You know, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was more than happy to be, you know, be here and, and more than happy to, uh, you know, score goals for the Winnipeg Jets. So it, it is a bit of an unfortunate end. And I think you're, Seeing a little bit, you know, whether it's the entertainment value or even the on-night success is being hit from, I think, losing a guy. Even though I know I can't see the comment section, but I know, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is awesome and yada, yada, yada. And that's that's true. Um, but I think, you know, there, he is a special talent and it's great to see him playing well. And I have no doubt my mind fans will recognize that. Well, and I think he's going to come in and be like, I'll be looking at the line A goal <laughs> yeah, prop like, number. Yeah. I'll be looking yeah, at the call. line A goal prop number on that game. But the other side of it is is Pierre-Luc Dubois I, is no dummy. And first of all, he knows mm. how important these games are for his team, and we know what he's done for the Winnipeg Jets all season long. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine, and not that we're ever really talking after the game or the next day on, geez, where was Dubois last night? But I'll say this, as much as we're going to expect a big game from Patrick Laine, I think we're going to be expecting a, a statement game as well from number 80 for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, no doubt about it. Go, go to, uh, you want to talk about props. Yeah. He, you know, whether it's points or whatever it is, you know, he's going to be motivated and um, yeah. I mean, Joe Dubois has been bringing it. He's not quite as good as the points, you know, but he's been, he brings it in other ways too. And certainly, you know, he, he's been the one guy, not the one and only guy, but he's certainly been one of the more consistent guys to bring it on a consistent basis. And uh, you know, we've talked at length about his, about how the steps he's taken from, you know, his first year here to, to this season. Um, and you're expecting it to just get better. Yeah. Well, I'll be talking to the boys over at cool bet, maybe for a special lock shot prop for both Dubois and line to score on Friday night. Maybe we'll fire that out one for the show on Friday. Hammer, what do you got coming up in the free for the rest of the week? Uh, A couple days off here and then back on to jets. Uh, Yeah. Big weekend here with jets and, Probably riding this riding this final wave out, and uh, you know, and then heading into the next month, I guess, here of of, of big games and and figuring out, um, you know, what the, so lots of jets, pretty much my answer. Beautiful. Well, way. listen, thank you again for everything, especially for the piece on the weekend, folks. If you did miss it, uh, head to our Twitter. We've got it pinned up at the top of our Twitter feed. Uh, Jess piece on Winnipeg Sports Talk on the weekend. Thanks, man, so much, and uh, have a great couple of days off, and we'll see you at the rink and talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And as always, shout out to the uh, the commenters and we'll we'll see you again. See you next week. Right on. Thanks, pal. There he is, Jeff K. Hamilton, at Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. All right, uh, we're going to hear from Coach Lowry and the two new members, or well, one returning member of the Winnipeg Jets in just a second. Uh, do you want to give a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug? Follow them on Instagram at Little Brown Jug. Uh, tons of great events happening down at the uh, brewery and tap room on William Avenue coming up. They've got their Smarty Pints, which I believe is like a trivia game starting up again on Thursday. Um, and of course, all the other events happening. You can find those as well at littlebrownjug.ca. You can order online at littlebrownjug.ca. 
deliveries citywide on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Make sure you get yourself the 1919 or try some of their other amazing beers. Winter variety packs still available at your local beer store. But your best bet is to pop down, try a few pints, maybe get a flight of all of them at Little Brown Jug and head home with your favorites. That's Little Brown Jug, William Avenue, and online at littlebrownjug.ca. Princess Auto Curling Report, Carrie Anderson and our Manitoba team representing Canada. Middle of the pack right now at the World Curling Championships. Big, big game this afternoon against Japan. Carrie's 3-2, and two. the Japanese are 4-1. and one. Big matchup. That game begins at 4 o'clock our time. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of curling, Team McEwen, Team Jen Jones, and where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Excuse me. Um, and of course, you can also shop online. Well, you can go to either of their two locations in Winnipeg or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. And uh, busy weekend, three home games before or after the game, Boston Pit City, Boston Pizza City Place, a great spot to be. And if you're staying at home, you can order online at bostonpizza.com. Check out those great, uh, the Wing Lovers deal and their game day deals ready for delivery from your local Boston pizza. All right, more to get to. We'll get to a busy night in the National Hockey League with the Cool Bet lines a little later on. But, um, Remo, are we good to go with Coach Dave Lowry? I'm good for whatever you want to do, uh, whatever you want to do here. For, yeah, let's hear this. I, I got to go into a coughing attack right now. So let's uh, quickly hear from the coach, Dave Lowry, of the Winnipeg Jets, who uh, spoke about the deadline in this big game tonight against Vegas. Reaction to the moves yesterday, and how do you feel about your group uh, going into these final 19 regular season games here? Well, I think you're, uh, you, you know, going in that uh, there are going to be sometimes guys moving out and guys coming in. Uh, it's always hard. Um, you lose a player of Copper's uh, stature and value but we understand the business side of it and uh, you have a guy that is on an expiring contract that likely wasn't coming back you have to protect the organization um, the fact that uh, we bring Apple back we bring Sanford in that uh, speaks volume of, of what our intentions are been a lot of talk this year about the identity of this team what might Mason and Zach be able to assist in terms of maybe establishing an identity whether it's you know in the bottom six or wherever you end up playing them well, they'll bring uh, speed, they'll bring skill, and uh, they'll bring compete into our lineup. And that is, uh, they give us a line that you can use in, in a capacity to play against the other team's top guys. They give us a responsible line, and uh, they bring veteran experience in, into our lineup. You know, Sanford's won a Stanley Cup, you bring that... Uh, you bring that in. The, those are intangibles that uh, we didn't have. We have someone that's been through it that can share his share in on his experience. Dave, did the success Eugenie has had earlier this year with Kyle and Pierre Luke make it, I don't want to say easy, but make it a more comfortable decision to have Nick leave that line and, and join Mark and Blake for however long that might be? 
Well, we got Copper. You take Copper out of your lineup who was playing center. You take Laos, who's not uh, available tonight. You're missing two centermen. Someone has to play center. Stas is a centerman by trade. He's a natural centerman who's played on the wing for us. That's an easy, that's an easy move. Svetch has got uh, chemistry playing with, uh, with Doobie and KC. And Nicky can play left wing with uh, Shife and Wills. So what it does is it puts some guys in positions where they can be successful, where they've played. And uh, I was more concerned about who was going to play center there. And Stas is a responsible choice. Just on the subject of Adam, uh, have you been able, Kevin didn't have total clarity yesterday, said they were working on that, but have you gotten some more clarity on, like, could he be available as early as Thursday to play? I don't know if he's going to be available, a uh, viable option on Thursday, but I think Friday is the earliest date that uh, he can return. Is he uh, feeling good, symptom-free? I believe so. Yeah. And that that's the hard thing with being a Canadian team and having to travel across the borders. Is you talk to the guys in Chicago, they don't they don't travel again across, so they don't have to test for the rest of the year. And reality is, is the guys that are testing positive that don't have symptoms could actually be playing. Just one more on the lines. So, was there is there any concern? I guess of like all four lines are obviously going to look different tonight than what you just had two nights ago. Do you? Is that okay in your eyes, or w were you looking to maybe the least amount of disruption, or like you said, there's just comfortable fits here and it just made more sense? These are decisions that put put guys in a position so we can be successful, right? And the guys have moved around our lineup uh, in the forward group all year. Um, I'm not really overly concerned about it. You bring two new guys in, you got to find a place to put them, put them together, and that uh, solves one problem. Was really going last year. Um, he, I mean, first of all, right-handed shot. You don't have too many of those on the right wing, but he was able to sort of turn corners on guys and, and drive net. Just in terms of how unique that is, skill set-wise. I mean, I'm sure you're going to appreciate a little bit of that diverse skill set. That was a meal of a question, but uh, what are you expecting from him? <laughs> I expect him to play in straight lines and to use his speed. We all know that uh, speed is his number one asset. And uh, that's what we look for. Um, use it, use it attacking. Use it getting in on a forecheck. But uh, that 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 has been the strength of his game. I'm not sure if this is a wasted exercise or not. But we watch a lot to see, you know, the, the kind of mood of the team on the ice. For example, this morning, a lot of laughter. Seems like guys are really having a lot of fun out there. Do you watch for that? And is there anything that you can learn from your team from maybe how they were their demeanor on the ice this morning? Well, I think the the weight of the trade deadline is has been lifted. And let's not kid ourselves. Players and a lot of players deal with it differently. There's a lot of names that were involved in in rumors, and you know, guys have families. You know, the, everyone has different situations, but. The uneasiness of knowing whether or not you're going to be here or not going to be here, and, and the uncertainty that it brings. Some guys deal with it differently, and and some keep it in inside. And today there was, uh, you know, it was a lot lighter mood. Um, there was a there was a lot more noise on the ice, and we notice it. You notice it. So you know, there's a lot of relief. All right, there's Coach Dave Lowry with a few comments on uh, the trade deadline passing and tonight's look for the club going up against the Vegas Golden Knights in another uh, very important, uh, another must-win game for the Winnipeg Jets. And we're going to be saying a lot over the course of this next little while. 
Um, the other individuals that spoke with the media today were the two guys that were acquired yesterday. Of course, one very familiar face in Mason Appleton, who returns to the Winnipeg Jets after spending this season as the expansion selection of the Seattle Kraken. Appleton was acquired the night before the deadline for a fourth-round selection, which I think in a lot of people's you know minds meant Andrew Kopp was certainly getting dealt. The other individual was Zach Sanford, who uh, you know we're quite familiar with from his time with the St. Louis Blues, was playing with the Ottawa Senators this year, is a pending UFA, but comes to the Winnipeg Jets for a fifth-round pick. And both Sanford and Appleton talked to the media today about uh, getting traded yesterday and about joining the Winnipeg Jets. Here's some of that. Mason, uh, Kevin Chevaleoff told us yesterday that he had tried actually a, a few occasions this season to reacquire you. Uh, were you aware of that? And uh, what's your reaction, I guess, to, to being wanted back in Winnipeg so much? Yeah, I mean, you know, you hear little things here and there from your agent and stuff like that. And uh, But, you know, you can't ever read into that too much. You kind of got to be where your feet are and, you know, let that stuff take care of it. But, uh, you know, when I got the call, obviously, that I was coming back here, I was super thrilled about that because... You know, this is all I've known my professional career, and I'm uh, obviously super excited to be back here and, you know, be with the Jets again. What was the experience like being part of the, the Kraken in their first year? I mean, a lot of firsts for the franchise and, and being part of that on a daily basis. Yeah, a lot of firsts is right. Uh, obviously, you know, we didn't put together a season that we wanted. Uh, a lot more losses than wins, which is always tough. And then, you know, you come to a deadline where GMS make a decision on players and the future of the team. and. He went the route of, you know, dumping a lot of guys for picks and uh, just so happened to be in that mix. And, yeah, now I'm here. But uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed Seattle. Uh, definitely a bit a bit of a different city than here. Uh, but like I said, this is this is what I know, so I'm uh, excited to be back here. You guys can each touch on where you were when you found out and initial reaction, if you could each handle that. Yeah, I was just kind of hanging out at home. Um, in Ottawa, we were set to fly to, to Long Island later that day. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of guys knew there there was going to be some moves made kind of later towards the deadline. And, and um, yeah, I was just hanging out at home, kind of seeing what was going on, and then got the call. You got the reaction at first? Um, you know, I think it's good for me. I think, you know, it's exciting to come here, you know, try to make a playoff push at the end of the year with these guys and, and you know, see the see the guys they, that we have here and where we stand in the standings. It's going to be exciting, uh, you know, stretch to end the year. Mason, when Seattle, was your role more defined here when you were playing here? And do you see it more defined here than maybe what you were experiencing in Seattle? Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of knows here. Me and Laos have played together for uh, for basically all 56 games last year, so that's pretty defined. Uh, you know, I've already had talks with the coaches and management of kind of where they see me here as well. So uh, that's very uh, black and white for me here. And uh, in Seattle, I think there was, you know, it's a new team. No one knows each other, so there's a lot of sorting out to do, whether that's good or bad. There's, you know, new lines very often. And then when you're not winning hockey games consistently, that just continues to get shuffled. But, you know, the last 20, 25 games, I was, you know, consistent with my playing with uh, Gord and Blackwell for the last stretch there. And we were finding some chemistry and, you know, doing some good things out there. But, uh, you know, that came to an end and, uh, on the deadline, so... Yeah, back here now. Zach, do you feel like the Central Division kind of suits your style of play in some ways? Yeah, I mean, uh, I spent spent a lot of time here with St. Louis, so, um, you know, I think for that bigger, heavier, you know, I think that definitely fits my game, hanging on to pucks a lot more than, 
you know, a lot of teams in the East are kind of running gun up and down the ice. And, and um, you know, I'm excited to see where I fit in on this team and, and see what I can do to help the team win. And, and um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's always nice to be back to something you know. Kevin Hayes is a guy who you are quite tight with. I mean, is he a guy that you maybe talk to after the trade was made to get a feel on what the organization is like? Or? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, it was kind of a whirlwind. I'd, you know, I was talking to a bunch of different people about a bunch of different things, but I managed to managed to speak to him briefly, and, and you know, he was excited for me. Same thing. I think you know he kind of went through the same situation where you know he came here in the deadline trying to help trying to help the team win, and, and um, you know he said it's a great guys, it's a great opportunity for you, and, and he's excited for me too. Zach, as a UFA this summer, were, were you kind of on high alert that that you might get moved just because of of your contract status? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, it was kind of in the back of my head. You know, I thought maybe something would happen, and then um, it was getting a little close to that that three o'clock deadline. So I was starting to gear towards okay, maybe I'm staying here the rest of the year. We'll see what happens. But um, you know, at that point, there's nothing you can control, and, and I wasn't too surprised when when I got the call. I don't know what the deja vu feeling would be if you've ever gone to a place like that you used to work or used to be before. But are there signs within the rink or moments that you've had already that kind of remind you of the past, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, even landing the plane yesterday, just you kind of felt like you were just back. And then I did go to the Delta, so I'm not I'm not in a home yet, so uh, that feels a little different. But just coming in, multiple guys said it to me, they're like, feels like you were just on vacation or you were hurt and now you're back. So that's that's kind of how it's feeling, which is nice because, you know, it's tough to walk into a room and obviously meet a ton of new faces. So it's it's good to be back with familiar people. What was your take, Mason, on watching the Jets from afar this year? I know they haven't had the season that they expected to have. Were you surprised to see where they were? Uh, you know, I think there, there's been a couple injuries and different things like that that have you know, kind of clogged it up along the way and a coaching transition, which is always not, not the easiest thing. Uh, but I think, you know, you know, you can't focus on the last 63 games or whatever it's been. I think, you know, this team's in a spot where you get hot at the right time. That's what it's all about come playoffs. So you, you see it in every sport at every level. It's all about who's playing best at the end of the year. That's the team that makes the run. So, you know, we're, I'm not going to sit there and talk about the last 63 games, just kind of going to want to do my part and help push us into a playoff spot. What's the challenge uh, with stepping in? Um, you just had one morning skate. Um, I assume you've never skated a shift with Paul Stastny and, and Mason before. So to just kind of be thrown onto a new line and one skate under your belt and now go play a game, what's what's that challenge going to be like? Yeah, it's, it's tough, obviously. I mean, um, you know, I think now throughout the league, a lot of guys know each other and, you know, a lot of guys have seen each other play a lot. So that helps a little bit, you know, when you're stepping in, you kind of know how guys play and, and, you know, what their style is. So, um, you know, I think the most important thing is just play my game, you know, just go out there, play hockey, play hard, and, and the rest of it will work itself out. All right, good stuff from Mason Appleton and Zach Sanford. We'll talk about that with Remus in just one second. Do want to give a big thanks to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, Pop Die. Any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs, DQ Niverville, Northgate, Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's, try the incredible new offerings of their stack burgers, as well as maybe check out one of those red velvet blizzards. And if you need a DQ ice cream cake, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Get it custom ordered and ready to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And I'm coming soon to your local Manitoba liquor marts. It is the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale pre-mixed cocktail. 
Right now at Manitoba Liquor Mart's original Canadian club and 12-year reserve is on sale. Next month, you'll get a free can of the CC and Ginger to try with any CC purchase. Pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. So let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, that was good stuff for Mason Appleton. I'm fired up to have him back. Yeah, I think that was the big talk last week. It was all, okay, well, they trade Cop. Who's going to replace him? And who better to replace him than the guy who was his line mate for so long with uh, Adam Lowry? He said he played all the games last year with Adam Lowry. Mason Appleton, you know he fits in. He's had success. Um, it's kind of funny hearing other players say that uh, it was like he went on vacation or like he was injured, and now he's back. So uh, I think this is a great move. I, I like it. Um, Zach Sanford, uh, we'll see what he brings. You know, he's a big guy. He slot him in on the third line there with Stasny and Appleton. I'm sure Appleton will probably, you know, he's going to replace Cop. And the, the, I think the best part of that trade is you have him for next year he, or he's RFA after this season. He's probably not going to command a high salary. And then maybe you can sign him if, if he likes it here. So I am looking forward to to seeing this third line. Then Nikolai Ehler is getting a shot with uh, Shagfin Wheeler and you put Svetch and it's worked with, you can kind of always go back to that now with Connor and Dubois. So. I know. I think since the Ealers has returned, Nikolai Ealers returning, huge boost to the offense, huge boost to the team, and they seem to be having success and try to keep it rolling. The one thing I want to watch: can we get a game where Connor Hellebuck doesn't give up three goals? It seems like every game, you know, he's given up three. He's on a bit of a streak here with that. And you know, if you ask Craig Button, it'll be because of the play in front of him. And you know, the advanced numbers do look very kindly on Hellebuck's play, but you can't argue with the results. And if you do want to win consistently, I think you got to have some games or you're giving up less than three goals. Well, sure. But to be honest, I, if they score four or five, I don't care. Um, exactly. <laughs> as long yeah. as two points is what it's a matter of. Exactly. But, um, but man, I, I have to admit just hearing Appleton back. I'm ex I am legitimately excited to have him back with the club. I mean, it was, it sucked, you know, no matter who the jets lost in the expansion draft, it was going to be a loss from last year's team. But, you know, to hear him come back, I mean, I thought he showed so much last year. And I'm, listen, I think the Jets are the beneficiaries of it that didn't go better for him in, in, in uh, Seattle. But I think maybe him leaving, coming back, if he can have a nice end to the season, get back there with Adam Lowry, I think it really does put them in a good position to sign him to maybe not necessarily a long-term deal, but a multi-year deal to keep him around here at a reasonable cost. Um, because we have seen, he has proven before that he can be a very effective member of the top nine here with the Winnipeg Jets. And it's funny, Ray, when you said he basically spent every game last year playing with Adam Lowry, and now he's back. And this happens to be the game that Adam Lowry's missing. Yeah, and that was a story too. I guess I, I, I didn't realize uh, protocol was still a thing. Lowry is in it. They said that he should be back Friday against Columbus. So... That's something we'll wait and see. And yeah, Adam Lowry missing. And one person, uh, BA Split, did point out in chat. Now, Kyle Connor, the only player on the Jets to not be in protocol this year. And I'm going to knock on wood here. And someone said it's like yelling shutout uh, in a game. So uh, I I'm, I'm, had to point that out, I guess. Yeah, well, exactly. Touch wood. Um, you know, we need to see uh, Kyle Connor, who could get 40 in front of the home fans tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, wouldn't that uh, wouldn't that yeah. be nice? And just speaking of COVID, no Zach Whitecloud, no Mike Amadio for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I just pulled up these, these are the gold. This is what Vegas's lineup is looking like right now, according to Daily Faceoff. 
Eichel with Carlson and Marcheseau. The second line is Chandler Stevenson with Will Carrier and Nicholas Roy. Those guys were fourth liners for most of last season, maybe third. Nolan Patrick is back in the middle of Keegan Colasar and Matthias Janmark. A lot of Manitoba flavor on that line. And then Oakbank's Brett Howden centering Jonas Rongberg and Jake Lesition. On the blue line, Theodore with Dylan Coughlin, Peter Angelo with Ben Hutton, and the third pairing, Braden Patchell and Zachary Hayes. Um, this, you know, we talk about teams that are devastated by injuries. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like this in a while, Remo, and a huge opportunity for the Jets to go out and start this five-game stretch with a win against a team with basically half their roster and salary cap on the IR. Yeah, Braden uh, Pakal from Estevan, Saskatchewan, uh, made his NHL debut the last time Vegas was here, uh, last Tuesday. But yeah, I mean, they're missing, uh, what, Martinez, Pacioretty, Stone, Riley Smith, uh, Braden McNabb. They're missing a lot of dudes on this Zach team. Zach Whitecloud, Laner, yeah. Nick Haig. Yeah. I mean, this is Amadio. Like two full, almost two full lines. So the Jets should win. I and mean, we'll get to the Cool Bell lines. I'm, so you'd think that uh, this is, you know, could be, you know, a two game win streak here. But again, we've seen the Jets at home on Tuesdays play teams that you think they should win and they don't. So. Um, that's why they play the games, but yes. Jets well, let's keep in mind, here. though, as of late through the month of March, Tuesday has been take the overnight at Canada Life Center. Um, look at the last three games. They put up, was it, was it six or seven last week against Vegas? Seven, I yeah, think. seven. I'll bring it up here. And then Montreal, they put another, was it eight? Yes. In the uh, game, and then the week before against Tampa was another seven. So. I don't know. Hey, let's see. What's here, the team total for the Jets right man, now? Man, Tuesdays in March. I think you got a theory here. Absolutely. Eight, seven, seven. There you go. Everybody I'm... scores. So the Jets' goal total for tonight is over three and a half at plus 11. Might have to take that for tonight. Take Might it. have to take the over. I would take that. I would um, take that. Yeah. So uh, there you go. There's our little insider take. Well, let's get to the cool bet lines right now while we're talking about it. I mean, this Jet game tonight... I was looking at it last night when we were getting ready for the lock shop. Vegas was plus 117. Jets were minus 137. Um, it has significantly changed. Vegas was shut out last night by Minneapolis, by the Minnesota Wild. Um, so Vegas is now plus 143 underdog. Jets at minus 169. And Jets plus 115 on the puck line to win by two at minus one and a half. As I mentioned, Jets team total is plus three and a half. Let's see player goals. Kyle Connor plus 111 to get his 40th tonight. Like Healers plus 167. Shifley plus 175. Pierre Dubois plus 180. Marcia So and Eichel, the top two players on Vegas at plus 180 and plus 195. Tons about, of games though in the league tonight. How about Appleton plus 330 if you think he's going to score in his first game or Svetch oh. playing with line two? Uh, these are just, you know, the Jets are, you know, we've looked uh, seven goals. A game on Tuesdays in March. So, yeah, I mean, pick whoever you want. Maybe you got a good, good Svetch shot. at plus 430 and Appleton at plus 330. I don't mind those, Reem. I think you're, you're on to something here. 
It's possible. I'm not gonna guarantee everyone you know responsible for their own their own bets here, but uh, I mean, I'll be at the game tonight. I'm I may have to do a a DraftKings lineup and just take uh, one of the Jets Jets lines. Probably take Kyle Connor. He seems to be pretty consistent this year. Yeah, no, no one scored in more games this season than Kyle Connor. Um, so a big slate of games tonight. Uh, Lightning at Canes. Carolina slight favorite at minus 114. Rangers minus 139 in New Jersey. Pittsburgh a big home favorite, minus 333 at home to the Blue Jackets. St. Louis in Washington to take on the Caps. I kind of like St. Louis. I gave that one out in the lock shop today, plus 124. Red Wings and Flyers. Um, Red Wings minus 133. Islanders minus 204 against the Sens. Moving on past the Jets game. Four more games. Edmonton, after a great game last night, by the way, uh, they lost an OT to Colorado. Felt like a playoff game. Edmonton plus 112. Let's hope they can do the Jets a favor and beat Dallas. We'll just take those last three games if you wouldn't mind. Sharks, Flames, Sharks plus 260. Flames, massive favorites, minus 323. Seattle and Arizona is a pick em. Nashville, minus 103. Kings, Minus 114. I agree with you, S. I was looking at the DraftKings salaries, and Vili Husso was very cheap. He was only 7K, and I think he's been pretty good this year. I was surprised that the Blues were such an underdog. Dom's model had Washington as, as big favorites. So I, I usually defer to Dom, but I, I was surprised at those numbers. Um, I was looking at uh, the, the lines as far as new players. Andrew Kopp, he's wearing number 18. For the Rangers, hey, if you want to think Andrew Kopp is going to... Or even he was on the third line there. Ricard Raquel on the second line with Malkin and Danton Heinen in Pittsburgh. Claude Giroux was practicing on the top line in Florida, but I don't think they are playing tonight. Huh. Let's see the Rangers. Let's, let's see if you think Andrew Kopp, if he's going to score in his first game. He's not even, not even listed here. Frank Vitrano, he was pretty cheap on DraftKings. He was in one of their new ads. Uh, plus 335, he's playing on the second line with Strom and Panarin. I actually don't mind Frank Vitrano there to, to score. Yeah, just um, looking. Uh, caught playing on that third line with Philip Cheadle and Dryden yeah. Hunt. And uh, Tyler Mott, the other former uh, Michigan guy coming over. He's with Barclay Goudreau and Ryan oh. Reeves on the fourth line. Speaking of Cop, actually, I did find this. Uh, let me bring up the picture real quick. And just, uh, yeah, I'll bring up this picture. Uh, Cop. Or sorry, is Truba putting this on his Instagram story yesterday, Huss. Donnie's pumped. Uncle Andy is back at Copper 94. So here's Truba and Cop, old pick with the dog. Uh, I mean, those are bros right there. Uh, happy to see them uh, playing for the same team with another Michigan guy, as you said, Taylor Mott. Yeah, well, as I said, I mean, say what you will about the guys that have left here. Jet fans will all be pulling for the Rangers in the playoffs because if they can win two rounds, that second rounder for one of the two second rounders for Andrew Kopp will become a first round selection. So uh, it should be good. Other things you can take a look at at Cool Bet. Dell match play begins tomorrow. Not Thursday, Wednesday on the PGA Tour. One of my favorite events. Check today's lock shop if you want more on that. But you can bet on that and the women's world curling as well. Use the promo code WST at CoolBet. If you haven't played there before, we'll double your first deposit up to 200 bucks uh, with the promo code WST. A good show today, Remo. Lots of people in here, lots of excitement post-deadline, and I'm looking forward to this game tonight. Yeah, I think the trade deadline, you know, is a time of year where it kind of spells the, 
future and the what your t- which way your team is going. The Jets, you know, getting picks for Andrew Kopp. And I like the Brian Little move, but also trying to still think they have a shot here at the playoffs. Uh, take that money puck and all the models, 538 who have the Jets at, what, 10, 20, you know, between 10 and 20% chance to make the playoffs. They are only a couple points back. Vegas seems to be on their way down. So, I mean, let's go. We'll see what uh, this new look third line is with Stasny, Appleton, Sanford. That is our line to watch. But also Nikolai Ehlers getting bumped up there. The top line, Svetch back with Dubois and Connor. And yes, the Kyle Connor, this is our side you know, season storyline. Can Kyle Connor get 50? And how many do we need Nikolai Ehlers get to get to hit the over? And he's been he's been great. You know, when not doing penalty shots since he's uh, returned. Yeah, yeah, the penalty shot notwithstanding. <laughs> that, that, I, I didn't get to weigh in. I know Mike did. Uh, I feel bad saying it, but that, that was probably one of the worst penalty shots I've, I've ever seen. Um, I think a lot of people agree. You know, Nick Lair is the fastest, you know, one of the fastest players in the league. I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that he was just tired after getting hauled down, but I had to say that. I'm sorry, Nick you I think you're awesome, but yeah, was, was a really bad penalty shot. Next time, just take a clapper or something like that. You'll have, maybe just have a better chance to score. Skate as fast as you can. I don't think you can score. Um, um, Ehlers is, though, at 18. He needs another 11 in 19 games. Very doable. And uh, again, wouldn't that be nice if he could get that done and then obviously help the Jets win enough games to get right back into the mix for that final couple weeks of the season. Um, anyways, great show today, folks. Thanks to everyone that came by. Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button if you're with us on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up before you leave. Appreciate that. We'll be back tomorrow. More on the Jets post-deadline with Murata Tesh. Break down last, uh, tonight's game and look ahead to uh, two more against Ottawa and Columbus. Very busy week for the Jets at home, Remo. Yeah, as you said, I mean, this is, this is the week. This is the biggest, biggest week of the regular season, I would think. Because until next week. Until next week. Right, ex- exactly. Well, you're playing... You know, teams below you in the standings that you should beat, Ottawa, Columbus, and, uh, and well, Vegas isn't technically below, but, I mean, the roster screams below, and uh, if the Jets want to get close to that wild card, this would be the time, and let's see if they can go on a run. So I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of excitement about the, the team yesterday. I mean, there's a deadline. There's a big show for us, and even today, I think a lot of that's carried over. So if the Jets win, I'm assuming the numbers will stay strong, or even if they lose, it'll be another... A depressing day after a game. We've had a couple of those. No, uh, I mean, not tomorrow. Tomorrow, big night tonight. Welcome back, se- Mason seven Appleton. Goals. Yeah, and we're and we're definitely taking the over. Uh, we're taking the over for the Jets over three and a half. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to all the sponsors: F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza. Nick and Nikki DQ, Canadian Club, and of course our friends over at Coolbet Canada. 7 o'clock puck drop tonight, folks, and we'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night and enjoy the game. Oh, my God! Oh! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.